0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Rumcast. This is the podcast that talks all things rum-related with the people who love and shape it. we got a really cool interview in this episode with Jason Zeno from Porchdown Distillery. They are the makers of Cheramie rum, which is a fresh cane juice rum from Louisiana that we've mentioned a number of times on the podcast, but uh, yeah, I wanted to finally sit down and talk to Zeno, tell you the whole story behind it, everything they've got going on there. Just a fun conversation about rum in general. But John, before we get into that, what's been going on with you down there in Miami? I know you've been pretty busy fighting through some illness and everything, but you're, you're yeah. back. We just got through recording a great episode. What's been going on with you down there?
1: Yeah, it's the, it's the busy time of year for us here. Uh, and uh, in between all of that, you know, dealing with kids going back to school and picking up a cold here and there and just yeah. going around the house. So not as much time to, uh, to drink as much lately, but I was able to, in between sicknesses here, attend a pretty cool event, Will, here in Miami that I wanted to mention. So this was the uh, Miami for Maui event that Esarico... Miami, the bar here, a rum bar that's pretty famous. I think a lot of people know about Asariko here Mm -hmm. uh, in downtown Miami. They did this event a few weeks back, Miami for Maui, which is in recognition of the rough time they had in Lahaina there with the hurricane and the fires that came from that. And they wanted to uh, get people together, do a fundraiser, and just kind of know that, you know, that Maui's in all of our thoughts, and especially uh, for those of us who are in Miami as well. So I was lucky enough to be able to uh, attend that event. Uh, It was a really, really nice event where we got to see a lot of performances that were uh, from people that came all the way, some of them from Hawaii. Oh, to wow. do, I didn't uh, realize that so, they yes. traveled all the way from there. That's amazing. S- some of them did, and then others, I think, were local or nearby local sure. that, that are Hawaiian heritage and also did some performances as well. So there was really great entertainment amongst the food and the drink. There were cocktails that uh, were made uh, there for, for the event, and many of them were excellent, some of which I hadn't been able to try before. As we've talked often, I'm not super into cocktails as much as uh, others are but it gave me a basis. It was kind of a, like an open bar concept. They gave you a menu and okay. you could order whatever you wanted as part of this event. Oh, nice. And that was super cool.
0: What was that? Uh, what did you, you grab off the menu? Do, you, do so, Were these like classic cocktails or were they cocktails made specifically like unique recipes for this event? What was that kind of looking like?
1: I think it was a mix of both because okay. there was definitely some Hawaiian slanted. Yeah. So I had, uh, funny enough, I think I had an uh, El Dorado 3 daiquiri on the way okay. in that had some pineapple juice in it also so it was a little bit of a, a Hawaiian style daiquiri but using eldo and uh, which is actually great. And we've talked about that in the past. And then also I had a Hawaiian Mai Tai, which okay. was slightly different in the specs than the Mai Tai. I'll have to put it in the show notes. Kind of like the, the classic
0: Hawaiian version with like some pineapple juice and that sort of yes. thing in it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So
1: it was uh, along those likes, which I thought was excellent as well. Uh, and then some other things that, you know, throughout the night, honestly, frankly, I don't even remember at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It
0: yeah. was
1: it was a fun event and talking to great people, uh, you know, some of the bigger uh, rum. Brands were also there: Bacardi, Plantation, um, Diplomatico were also in, in in presence there. And so, you know, just uh, hanging out with some people from Miami, having a good time, drinking some rum. I got to go with of all people, Will, my sister, my wife couldn't make it, so I, I went with my sister Kimberly, who uh, she's. Why, why not... do
0: you say of all people? Is this, do you, well, do, you, do you guys like secretly not like each other? What is no, no no no.
1: <laughs> well, I I love my sister very much. Uh, she's my younger sister, but she's not into spirits or rum at all. Okay. Okay, okay. So when I asked her to go, I was kind of like, you know, it was kind of a, uh, well, my wife can't go, and, you know, I don't get, I hadn't seen her in a while, as I mm-hmm. mentioned, it's, everybody's busy this time of year, and so I asked her, and she was like, to my surprise, sure, I'll go. So she got to try some drinks that, uh, you know, some of which I ended up drinking for her <laughs> because she was a little too strong, and sure. there are others that she actually really did enjoy, and she found uh, a liking for. So there was some cool other people there, too, like uh, the person that represents Aquapana. Have you ever heard of this, Will? Aquapana water?
0: I, I'm seeing it, like you forwarded me an email ah, they sent out yeah. about this event, and it has all the sponsors at the bottom, and I'm seeing Aquapana, it's like, it's part of uh, San Pellegrino, apparently, I've not yes. heard of this water.
1: Yeah, uh, Aquapana I encountered the first time when we took a trip to Italy, and it's uh, oh, an okay. Italian, just natural water, it's not a sparkling water, uh, okay. it's in, from the Tuscany region. I and did not encounter I that just, when I was in Italy, but I
0: also didn't get out to Tuscany, so that might be why. Yeah.
1: It's it's a premium product essentially. It comes in a glass bottle. It's wonderful. Anyway, I'm diving way down into a. a it sounds a like a commercial bowl. for for Aquapana, our new sponsor yeah, on no. the Rumcast, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but he was a cool guy from Italy. So, um, just a lot of uh, a good night. They and they ended up raising over six thousand dollars, I believe. Yeah, uh, that's that's for, awesome. So it was a, it was a fun night, and you know it's nice to be in a place where we have these type of events happening every so often and get to be a part of them. So for sure, no, um,
0: that's that's. Great to see. I mean, uh, the wildfire situation in Lahaina is so, so tragic to see. Yeah. I Actually, the first Mai Tai I ever had was in Lahaina because my wife and I were there for our honeymoon. This was back in 2012. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so... Any any way to support what's happening there is a great thing to do. So shout out to Esarico for, for making that happen. And um, yeah, if you can, I know there's, there's a number of organizations doing great things with donations over there. If, if, if you can afford to, to give a little, it's a great cause to give to right now because really devastating wildfires that happen there. And so, yeah, big shout out to Esarico for putting that together. But with that said, John, I'm, I'm excited for this interview. We actually just finished... Doing this close to two hours just because I, there, there were so many interesting things to talk about, and yeah. Zeno does a little bit of everything with Jeremy. Uh, I mean, his his background is in distilling, so obviously he's very active in distilling, but does a lot of stuff on the you know the business side as well, trying to grow it and everything. So we talked a lot about you know uh, we get into a lot of nerdy rum production stuff, but also the business of rum, the category of Louisiana rum introducing people to cane juice rum just a a, a lot of stuff and i I think you know they're they're kind of a unique distillery in the u.s right now because um a they're all cane juice b they make it on a scale that's a lot larger than any of the other cane juice rum producers in the u.s uh, which which is you just don't see very often someone making that big of an investment into cane juice rum. So they're they're really serious about it. Creative approach to production. You know, they make three different kinds. A blanc, they make a slightly different kind of rum for aging that's a little mm-hmm. bit uh, more, you know, a little funkier, I would say, to kind of stand up to the wood. They also do a queen share. So there's just a, you know, they're just an interesting American rum distillery right now. And uh, I was excited to, to, to get... Zeno on and, and hopefully people can learn a little bit more about what's going on down there in Louisiana.
1: Yeah, it, it feels to me kind of like they might be one of those distilleries that's on the edge of a, a sort of a larger breakthrough. Just, I'm not sure exactly what to point to, but after speaking with Zeno on it and just feeling like it's the presence is going to continue to grow from them, yeah. uh, and then just hearing all the stuff that they went through to get to where they are now uh, is also supremely interesting. So I, I agree with you. I think in general, what we talk about Louisiana rum a lot, and it's nice to hear from a Louisiana rum producer who's so committed to what yeah. they are doing and the vision of what they're doing, and, and hopefully continuing to see success from it. For sure yeah well
0: as i said uh this is a this is a full interview you know we went deep on this so we're gonna we're gonna keep the intro nice and tidy under 10 minutes on this episode and go ahead and take a quick break and get right over to the interview we're here with jason zeno head distiller head head distiller is not your does not encapsulate everything you do as as we were just saying head of operations is that the more appropriate title what what are you calling yourself these days
2: i don't i don't know i'm a spreadsheet
0: maker yeah
2: (laughs) right uh we're, we're such a small company it's a team everyone every drop of rum that comes out of our facility every part every person has a part in it so at the end of the day, I guess I'm the last line of defense if something's terrible.
0: You're the okay. immune system, then. You're the, the person. You're the person to blame if there's a problem with anything, right? Um, I'm liking.
2: I'm liking product officer, chief product officer. That's okay. a fun. S- that sounds a fun like you work at a software company. The CPO. You're The CPO. I have a lot of tech friends, so I'm like yeah. just stealing. You this put a in three
1: there. in there, and now we got something: the C3PO. Yeah, the, the C3PO.
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> operating operations is kind of like now that there's this realm of operations is more like marketing and sales. Planning. Right, 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 right. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. and like I'm not technical officer because like, or a distillery, but in reality, I'm probably all of those and the guy who picks up garbage. And does um, the
0: podcast <laughs> interviews, right?
2: Does podcast during, interviews during the busiest
0: yeah. time of the year. It's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. On the note of official introductions and everything, I feel weird introducing you as Jason Zeno because I've literally never heard anyone call you Jason ever. Yeah. When did you stop being Jason and switch fully over
2: to Zeno? Um, here's a fun story Were it's you Zeno about- as
0: a baby? Like, <laughs> I, can't, um, I can't imagine you as Jason. <laughs>
2: Right, or without a beard, yet here I stand before, yeah, you, you. showed ah. up on
0: the on the zoom call, like you know completely, completely shaven. shaven, it was it's a good look though you look like you're you know ready to go into this harvest season and like kick some ass.
2: I feel like I look like a jaundiced Homer Simpson, um <laughs> but yeah,- I'm just not I don't care for it, actually, every time I do this, I'm like, what did I do? I'm like. Except um, it would be more,
1: don't! <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. I
2: want to f- fade slowly back into the hedges. Um, <laughs> so when did I become Zeno? Fun story, not really. Um, my dad was Zeno. Uh, okay. uh. So he was Zeno, and he died in my early 20s. And a family friend looked at me and was like, that's your name now. Wow. And mm. Pretty much from then on i have gone by that everyone my family my daughter my wife everyone except for my immediate family and most they call me jay a lot so really if you call me jason it's like eh, yeah 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 really i don't i don't really care my dad used to have a saying because i'm a big sports fan too he's like the man doesn't or the number doesn't make the man the man makes the number Mm. i take the same approach with names i'm like i don't care what your name is be a good person Right. Um, yeah.
0: It's so. like if you're good enough at whatever sport, you can be, like, number 67 and make it cool somehow. Right. I was
1: 68, Will. <laughs> I was. <laughs> yeah. I was. True story. Yeah. It's mine now. It's 68 forever. Yeah. <laughs> that, you,
2: you know, the, the other aspect of that, too, Zeno is an Ellis Isle name. Like oh, really? It, yes. Uh... So I'm a weird, I'm from Pittsburgh, which is the i like, what are you? I'm, I'm a Yinzer. Um, because I am, my grandmother was Italian. She married a French Canadian guy from Quebec. Uh-huh. And then my dad's side is all Polish. So I'm like, yeah, that's just someone from Pittsburgh. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And, but like when, when my grandparents, like my great grandfather, he came over and I made my grandfather before he passed away, tell my wife this story. I was like, the king, he got off the boat or whatever. And they're like, his name was Jimma.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: they're like, "Well, that's too weird to, pr- to pronounce. We don't know that." And at the time, there was Zeno Bubblegum, Z E N O Bubblegum. Wow! Mm. And it was like, so that that's where Zeno is derived from. So I'm like, here I am. It's like, you know, that's my name. That's what you know me as. I'm like, oh yeah, it's Bubblegum. It has it's no bubblegum. meaning whatsoever. Yeah,
0: which is That's great. cool. But, I love that. Yeah, Sometimes I'm, I'm 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 a little jealous of the 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 generations that got the the cool new Ellis Island name because I you know. My ancestors just stuck with hookinga, which is, you know, it's a, it's, it's a I mean, little bit of a burden in terms of, you know, getting sure. people to pronounce it. And then the the other aspect of it is my grandmother on on that side, my my dad's mother, her maiden name was Van Lair, which is A, I always thought a really cool sounding last name, and B extremely easy to pronounce. So you never have to teach anyone how to say that, but uh yeah so hooking up, much to my wife's chagrin is 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 where we've landed
2: you sound like that the van lair sounds like a vampire hunter. i know too. yeah it's like yeah.
0: it's like it's, it's got the van helsing fan. quality yeah, right, to it yeah. yeah um right
2: yeah but well i don't know i mean will i think you should be proud that you know ls isle names are kind of like a bastardization of your whole culture and it's true who you it's are true. So, I yeah mean, it's kind of not great. Yeah, there's um,
0: often some 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 racism big baked into the decisions to change. Yeah. yeah so. Right.
2: I mean, how many Polish jokes have you heard? Right? I'm a for, lot. Walking, living Polish joke Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it, it's it's funny. But yeah, that you know, you know, about my name like that, it's you know, I have vendors or something. I'm like, Oh yeah, it's looking for Jason. I'm like, okay. It's a it's a real quick way for me to tell them like. This person hasn't talked to me before. Right, right. You don't know me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On on the, the the subject of origin stories, I, I I would love for listeners to get to hear how you were making – I know you've done other stuff besides this, but prior to what you do now, one of the things you did was making whiskey at Jim Beam, I believe, in Kentucky. How do you go from that completely different spirit, very large – Company to yeah. moving to Louisiana and making cane juice rum.
2: I wanted a free trip to New Orleans. Um, <laughs> that's a that, good start. I mean, start. that's that's the truth of it. That's how that happened. So, first and foremost, Beam Suntory, especially the Suntory side, and some of the Japanese folks, and the Scottish folks, and the Irish folks that I worked with, I freaking loved. Mm-hmm. Um, even some of the Cruzan stuff, which we're on the rum podcast, so let's talk about that. I mean, that's part of the brand that was pretty neat did you get to go down there at any point in the virgin i i did not but a lot of my the so they had the big storm when i was there it was devastating and a lot of the maintenance team went down and they came up here and they worked there it's great um not my style of rum it's cool Mm -hmm. it's interesting they do a ton yeah probably that we never even get to see and you know they're part of the Inspiration of like you can pry barrels out of my cold dead hands. or um,
0: <laughs> do they hold on to theirs for a uh, they just super use long barrels time? Barrels forever. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I, we. I don't know. We'll get too deep into that. But so, how did I? How did I position that? So, I wasn't any under contract or thing, as in I didn't added need any paying back any bonuses or anything like that to to be in Centauri at the time. And I saw this job posting in in New Orleans, and I was like, hmm. I've never been to New Orleans. Oh, and you haven't been there at
0: all? Like even a mm-hmm, quick, you know, mm-hmm. bachelor nope. party, nothing?
2: Nope. So I was like, let's let's check this out. I'm kind of curious. I think I know what this place is because our industry is very small in reality. Like everyone knows everyone. Mm-hmm. You're at most two degrees separated from almost every distillery in the in the yeah. country, right? Yeah. Yeah. So talked to them had a good interview and i'm like okay this is kind of a good idea their main thing was like the facility here in new orleans that we operate right now and then at that point we had one in a place called thibodeau which is a cool area of the world that is totally different than anything i've ever been to
0: more rural right
2: yes more rural way very close to the cane it's awesome that's where you want to eat boudin gumbo Mm, catfish yeah, yeah Yeah. That's where you want to go. Or well, one of the many places you want to go. Sure. has good stuff, too. And everywhere. It's funny. It's like, you know, to, you know, go off talking about food. But, like, New Orleans has amazing food. They do. Yeah. It's not the Cajun food that I eat the most here. That I get in the other parts of Louisiana. Interesting. Um, you, took,
0: you took me to an awesome little taco place for lunch uh, when I was down there. Oh,
2: there yeah. Taqueria taco Guerrero. Show. Yeah. Can yeah. we plug Taqueria Guerrero? Yes. yes. Taqueria yeah. Guerrero. Yeah. Check
0: it out. The salsas they had there yeah. were incredible. Yeah.
2: Yeah, they have. Uh, they actually have like soccer nets, like soccer kits. that say Takaria Guerrero, and he oh, gave that's me awesome. one because nice. I'm in there because you know I'm a fat kid and, and grown up into a fat adult that I just <laughs> right. I'm in there once a week, right? And that um, like at least and yeah, he did, they're great people, family run and amazing Takaria. Anyways, so I was like, yeah, free trip to New Orleans, let's check it out. So my wife and I, they flew us down here, got, you know, the conversation on that. And I, you know, I look for an opportunity or new challenge or something interesting. Mm. Uh, Beam is great. You know, you're a tiny part of a huge system. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, you can get a bigger part of that as your career progresses. And that was happening for me. But really, it's Thibodeau and the sugar cane that really, that I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah this is a big opportunity here. So did you we did you to, know
0: go like was rum on the horizon going into oh, yeah. cuz I I know you didn't start out making that at mm-hmm.
2: porch jam. 100% rum was always going to happen. Okay. Like like I wouldn't I'll be I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't have come here if it wasn't if it was just vodka, mm-hmm. which let me tell you, the vodka that we made for a while and still have some is still make some. It's it, it's great, but vodka is someone said it's a fist fight every day. And wow. why is that? A, really? Trying to sell it in the competitive market uh, and yeah, it's really yeah, it's sold okay. on on price and brand mm-hmm. more. And what do I give a shit about is the liquid, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, right? Which right. doesn't really matter that much especially in vodka. It right. does, and there's nuance to it and it's a beautiful spirit in and of itself. But right, I don't I'm not selling it to guys on a rum cast. I'm selling it to <laughs> Everyone who wants to taste cranberry juice. So, (laughs) so, you know, that wasn't enough for me to to, to buy in the Thibodeau, the second facility that was like in the middle of a cane field. I was like, okay, I could see something going on here. So all rum was going to happen there. Okay. So, yeah, it started with a free trip. And I was like, you know, they, they made an offer and I took a risk. And here I am five plus years later so that's how i transition now like the work itself like i said it's way more creative control yeah right so it's great it's also stressful because i do more business things which i hate um i hate the marketing i hate the branding Mm. i hate the self-promotion and arrogance and (laughs) all of that the low barrier of entry say that i'm a master distiller or master blender i'm like anyone can say that i don't say those things i never want to say those things because right. i never want to be a master of them mm. right because i'm constantly trying to find out yeah. new information like well what if i try this And let me tell you it doesn't work sometimes but yeah. uh i really love like the blending aspect of things is there's all kinds of ways you can do it but i'm really rom mm. really leans itself to that and it's and you've had some things that have blended will
0: yeah yeah, yeah. Well, on that note when you say rum really lends itself to blending on on the one hand i'm like well you know blending is a much more accepted standard practice in rum and my mind is going is it because there's something about rum that makes it easier to blend than something like whiskey for example or is it just because there's a an established sort of tradition of blending in rum that you know is less common in in some other spirit categories what like what is it? Is, it is, is there something about run that makes it easier to blend than other spirits?
2: I think my answer is yes to all of your yeah. everything that you said. <laughs> well, I mean, is it easier? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's easy. I think that there's enough variation. I think that you're, you're typically, even if you're using new oak, you can have two barrels, the same exact liquid right next to each other. They'll be different in yeah. any spirit. Right, you know, Jim Beam, Jim Beam, like white label is consistent, not because the whiskey coming out of those barrels is super consistent. I assure you, it's not. It's very good, actually. Jim Beam, just out of straight out barrel for your whiskey, is amazing. What you see in a bottle is a lot lighter because it goes through a lot of processing and filtering and mm-hmm. those yeah. kind of things. So that's how they get consistency there. So I think it's a consistency thing that you do with rum. It it allows you some degrees of freedom, and your and your flavor profile if you kind of know what pieces you're working with. And then there's the regulatory thing. There's not a ton of rules with rum that you could do that. So you're like, hey, you know what? Um, Great example of this is I had a friend come in and I got some different barrels that had some different whiskey in them. And I knew the history of the cooperage, and there were seasoned staves. And I was curious. I was like, let's try these. They're only like three or four months old. And we pull, we thieve some out of one of these barrels. I'm like, ah, man, I would drink this right now yeah right and that's a great blending tool Mike. so a four-month-old right and i keep using that barrel maybe Mm -hmm. blended with something that i have that's three and a half years old or something like that you can do those kind of things and it's less looked down upon in rum because we're not hung up on age is synonymous with quality and you know there's always bad actors right you Mm -hmm. can put I guess I shouldn't say 23 in a barrel. That's pretty clearly calling someone out. Right? <laughs> people use that
0: example all the time. So yeah, I mean, you
1: but, but wouldn't be the first. No one that's will a, know.
2: That's a fine product. But, like, I mean, I'm not huge into age statements or anything like that. I mean, you mm-hmm. can tell people with the age of the product in there, like, what's the make of it. And we are doing that. We just wrote some copy for my age expression coming out now. And it's clear, it's like nothing's less than two years in that first one that I'm releasing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, there's just like there's degrees of freedom. There's control. There's the Solera influence, mm-hmm. which you know I'm a big fan about, of, right? So, and the profile, of the spirit is maybe oddly less abrasive than some whiskeys. So you can get some notes that are more subtle to point out and and blend. And there's a very very influenced by you know French and wine i i have a huge wine influence Mm -hmm. as a lot of rum makers do i know you've had maggie on here before she's a huge wine influence right like for sure blending you always i mean you blend right and so calvados is my favorite spirit in the world probably Mm. and you know how many like single varietal apple calvados there are I don't um, really know of any, yeah, because like it doesn't like you wouldn't do that. I don't see it, right? yeah, yeah, So that's like you're making that, and you're talking about different apples for it, right? Let alone different barrels, but there's there's lots of reason to do it. But you know, I I didn't have a ton of that experience because I didn't blend a lot of whiskeys. It's bleeding itself more into American whiskey. Mm. I was around when I don't know if you're familiar with like Little Book, which I don't was know Little Book it was Freddie knows. It's like his his project. I remember when he came up with it, he wanted to blend whiskeys that were in a similar profile to what the grain bill was, like in the ratios. Okay. So like mm-hmm. a corn, a rye, and a malt. Mm-hmm. So the first one was like some variation of that. And then also in American whiskey, blending used to be a derogatory term. Yeah. That's where you got the whole bottle of bond and antifreeze and like, what the yep. hell are you actually drinking? So. yeah. There's a, there is a, it's a different spirit, different rules now. I wish well, you know, even today, like you know,
0: blended Scotch is kind of the you know look down. does have upon. the same reputation. Yeah, as,
2: yeah, sure. Yeah. Even though you know, there's perfectly great blended Scotch, absolutely.
1: Right. Compass yeah. Box makes some amazing things, right? Yeah. yeah, and there are others, many others. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's a, but it just it just you know the market dictates a lot of those things. But rum just. I don't know. Probably people that listen to this will care about the blend and the blending of rum, but some people, you know, and then there's the single barrel aspect. I'm, I've never been huge on single barrels. And just because it's a single barrel doesn't mean it's good. Yeah. Right. Right. If you're like, oh, I picked one out because I think it's exceptional, it doesn't mean sh- uh, how much am I allowed to swear on here? Because I, you know, I swear as a
0: much lot. as you want. Go for it. Okay.
2: All right. So, like, yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, I don't give a shit about single barrels. And even if I think one is exceptional, That's, you know, my perspective with my genetics, my organoleptic perception. That's not exactly what everyone thinks. So everyone speaks to someone else in their single barrel. We've sold some single barrels that in Minnesota, actually, there was a few of them. Mm -hmm. And I did a market visit there. It was really cool how these barrels spoke to these people. And it made me approach them from a different perspective. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then I remembered the barrel. What was in, like, I could look it up. I have the barrel code. Because I have a lot of – I keep as much data as I can. Spreadsheets. Um, it all goes yeah. back to the spreadsheets. Spreadsheets. You know. <laughs> hey, man, I measure relative humidity and temperature in different parts of the warehouse.
0: I know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, You've wow. shown me some of that before. It's cool. And I haven't
2: I haven't plotted it yet. And I'm like, what am I going to do with this? It's sexy marketing bullshit science is what I'm
1: <laughs> You oh, yeah. mean you don't have a monitor with dynamic viewing of it at all times <laughs> yeah. yet? Oh. I
2: do. It's on my phone actually.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do <laughs> That's yeah.
2: Yeah. You're making, You're having a laugh, but like <laughs> – He really has yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> That's a lot of influence of my buddy Colton. He was like, you should get these. I'm like, yeah, I should get these. This would be fun. They're like, what do you do with that information, right? We're not yeah. big enough to really do it. The, the ch- difference in temperature is crazy and humidity, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we're talking about 10 to 15 degrees F and 10 to 15% relative humidity. Yeah. Which changed the dynamics of those barrel interactions immensely. Right sure. No. I could probably tell that just by freaking tasting them or smelling them but still that goes back to the whole blending thing like right? like there's no way right and like beam consistency and they'll tell you on their tours right like they do a cross selection of a warehouse yeah right so they middle cut top cut and everything mm-hmm. and then they process it but, but i don't have that luxury because i don't have millions of barrels yet. so i'm trying to yet you're <laughs> right i'm trying to build in I'm trying to build in, I'm a big fan of anyone can make something great once or maybe a couple of times, do it over and over and over and over again. And I think that the way I'm aging and blending and, you know, we decide it's going to build in some innate consistency.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking of that, actually, so I I know we went all around the world a little there, but I wanted to kind of hone back in on actually distilling and making the cane juice rum. I, I, I saw an article where you were quoted as saying making a cane juice rum is a, quote, deliciously challenging pain in the ass. And now having spoke to you, that's very on brand as a statement. So what do you think are the most important things that you've had to figure out to create a high quality cane juice rum that maintains that deliciousness and as you said, over time?
2: I mean, I think a big part of it is, you know, there's the phrase that I say all the time that I stole from someone who probably stole from someone else is a true to fruit. We say true to fruit all the time. So like okay. it's true to cane, right? right? So there's this essence of this cane you're out in the field or you go to the mill. There's a continuity from when the juice comes in to when we make low wines to when we put the distillate to when we harvest barrels. Right there is a common thread through there that we never want to lose. So sometimes it's, you know, I said earlier, I don't know if we were recording at the time, but managing a fermentation instead of trying to control a fermentation. So yeah, yeah. you do it in your terms the best you can to get a profile that you like. So get out of your own freaking way a little bit sometimes. Uh, don't you, you can overthink it, but every little detail matters. Right, the the amount of fermentation, are you cold crashing it? The temperature profile the pitching rate, the nutrient rate, like how you do it. But more importantly, where are you getting it? Where are you getting that juice? I think that the yeah. fact that I get it, as soon as it's pressed, it's harder to work with, right? There's a lot of total solids, but I wouldn't do it any other way at this point. And when you no say
0: total ready. solids, you mean... Like cane fibers, yep, other mm-hmm. stuff that makes its way into the juice. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Just, I mean, like it's rinsed and then it's mixed with water and then they call it mixed juice at the mill. That's at that point. That's what they call it, which is mix sometimes from several mills. And they, they used water in the middle, so it's a little diluted, but yeah. that's how they get the juice out, or the sugar yeah. out. Yeah. And that's um, what I call most
1: of my home drinks that I make. I just call mixed them mixed juice. juice. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> that's a cocktail. Someone should make a cocktail like that. I'm not, yeah. Um, But, it, it, you know, and you've heard me say it before, when I first started calling around, I got here, I'm like, why aren't more people doing this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This seems like a huge opportunity. A lot of them, because it's hard to work with, right? Like yeah. it's gonna spoil quickly it's messy and you have to do it at some like the doing the larger volumes easier like there's an easier way for me to do it, and it is to build a distillery at the mill right right which hopefully someday Jeremy will will have its own mill and right or be partnered with mill like i yeah, would mm-hmm. love that that would make me happy sell um, the truck yeah i don't think i'll ever sell that truck i'm gonna <laughs> get like buried in that <laughs> truck now the truck um,
0: will be part of the the tour yeah yeah
2: right yeah, that's the tasting rooms. So you know, we'll cut it in half. <laughs> yeah, like, cut I, it. Yeah, I, I have yeah. you know an imaginary amount of money, so I can do whatever exactly. the hell I want. Yeah, so it, it, it's incredibly hard to work, but it's incredibly rewarding. And um, as in, I absolutely live for the smell of the cane wine. That's mm. my favorite part. I actually made a fortified cane wine with some queen share. I fortified it with some queen share. Really? Because mm. yeah, because I love the cane wine so much. It. <clears throat> I should have halted the the fermentation more like a mistel though because it was a little too dry and there's a lot of ash in uh, the mississippi deltas there's a little salinity to it which is nice everything in moderation right Mm -hmm. so i went all over the place answering your question but my thing is, is like the raw material stay true to it but also know like i just said there's a lot of ash be cognizant of what you're working with and You know, is it the yeast that we pitch that makes our our rum specific? Is our flavor profile? No. I believe it's the microbiological flora that is in Louisiana that's really – it's that blend and how we're managing it. Yeah. That really gets it. And then the distillation is a whole other thing. It's like, okay, how much do we want to rectify this spirit?
1: Yeah. and Would you refer to that as terroir?
2: Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's terroir. Okay. Um, Okay. I there is. I did some work with this. I was uh, you know, with different lactobacillus lactobacilli and uh on malt and how that affects new make mm-hmm. whiskey. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot to that because there's a lot of late lacto fermentation in, in malt whiskey and in whiskey because they don't boil like in beer, right? Or in even in, in American whiskey, there's late lacto, which is is good to create long chain alcohols and character. The congeners that are synonymous with some of the whiskeys that mm-hmm. we drink um but the operable word there is late and sometimes you can jump that proverbial shark right and you sour out and too much organic acid is you can go in the other direction so see. that's it's a whole managing thing and you're like what am i talking about managing right am i getting a microscope out and testing looking at it every day i'm like well an isolating <laughs> species no one i'm not smart enough to do that two
0: I don't um, know. You're throwing some, some big words around. Yeah, it's clear you went to school I, I, for this I, I, shit. I, I, like, yeah, yeah. You, you might be underselling it.
2: They're 10 cent words, right? Like <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's, if you haven't gathered, I, you know, I you know you guys, it's like, I love doing this. Yeah. I go to, so I go make American whiskey and go somewhere. No, 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 I love this. The cane wine. And sometimes when we're doing like the stripping runs and there's this slight caramelization in the pot. Mmm chef's kiss yeah right that is just it's i would in the last every year every year of harvest the last time we charge the stills i make sure i'm like i need to smell before i close the man man way like in the pot because it's my favorite smell this is
0: i mean this is what i hear people who have gone and visited four squares like when they do their cane juice fermentations and distillations like every, people will not shut up about the smell um yep. even Richard Seal, like, yeah
2: it's like fruit and con- I don't like cotton candy, so I hate saying that, mm. but yeah, it's like uh, fruit and cotton candy. It is the most, mm. it's just, and it's like it comes from a plant that's in my backyard, which is, you know, I couldn't do this in Pittsburgh. No offense yeah. to Tim, but Tim <laughs> listens to this because Tim makes amazing rums and he's my friend. Yeah, shout um, out
0: to T- Tim from Maggie's Farm.
2: I knew, I'd bounce the, I'd talk to him, I've talked to him way before I made rum. I, I was friends with Tim, so. Mm.
0: He also yeah. makes an uh, amazing blueberry brandy that you oh, shared with me last time I was yeah. <laughs> at your distillery. Yeah, it was Falernum. Yeah. Inc- yeah, yeah, Falernum too. A lot oh, of I, his
2: Falernum, I usually try and keep some in, like, in my fridge and I mix it with my yeah. rum all the time. Yeah, That and uh, Cap Corse Kinkina is what I mix with my rum. And now Colton's Territivo is like better. Yeah,
0: that's it. that yeah. With my rum too. It's like a, a bourbon aperitif. It's really good.
2: Hmm. And when I say mix it, that is, the you know, I fill crushed, I fill rocks glass with crushed ice, probably rum to the same level as that ice, and then a little splash of one of these things. It's that's a, la- it's a lazy a-
0: cocktail. Uh, we we yeah, did a whole episode like it, on our yeah. favorite lazy cocktails recently, and awesome. like that is the that's the classic formula for lazy cocktails. Is no shaking, no you know stirring. Really, you maybe slosh it around in the glass, and then it's ready yeah. to go.
2: Yeah, I don't have no th- I don't have time for that. I need. I need rum now. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it, it, yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, I absolutely love it. And, you know, I want. I wish. I'm. I'm working on things now so we can have some kind of consumer experience because my facility is very much not a consumer experience as a production.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you say that like it's it's a cool building to walk around in. I think when you say that, people are going to hear that it you know is not cool but it's it's really just kind of it's kind of in an industrial setting so it's a little right, hard to get designed. yeah it's a little hard to get there but like if you're in there like it's there's i mean you know you got the barrels right there by the stills yeah. and um yeah. it's a it's a cool environment you got uh, i don't know how often the dog is there but you had a very cool dog there
2: uh when yeah, i was Roo's, there. Roo's there yeah it was yeah. Yeah. awesome yeah yeah the um yeah the barrels are like in one side of the warehouse. they take over pretty much one side of the warehouse, and then there's like the operations this is actually a pretty small footprint. It's pretty condensed yeah but and then there's like packaging and processing yeah i yeah, I just don't have a in room in a bar and like like right. I can't even make lazy cocktails there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, we gotta crowdsource you a, a an easy bar that we can throw in there somewhere and have at least a space that you can make a lazy cocktail on.
2: Yeah, or uh, I raise more money and just build a facility some like that, like an expand. Right there, you, you go. You're yeah. growing, or dying, guys. Come on.
0: All aspiring investors listening, you know yeah. who to get in touch with. Yeah, right. It's you. All right.
2: Yeah.
1: So well, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> so Zeno, so, you know, you, you've you've taken on the challenge now, right? You you've come down to Louisiana. Uh, you you know what you want to do. You're surrounded by Cain everywhere there. So what does the process look like for finding and sourcing the fresh cane juice for you at that point? Is it a long process that you had to go through a bunch of different people, find the right partner, and then how did that all come together and how did you end up working with who you were working
2: with as a source? Great question. It was very odd when I came down here because I knew at that time when I came here, like Johnny Verplank was doing his thing with Caneland Mm -hmm. at that point and he did a little Uh bit of raw juice but that made a ton of sense because Alma Plantation, right? They just did, they did their thing, and he's going out. I'm like, okay, well, obviously not going to ask them for right. juice, and like the Thibodeau thing, kind of like we could never get full licensing for it, so that was that was iffy. And then we called myself and like you know my ace Davy there, who's the owner of Rue. <laughs> him and I just called like every. Every mill that we could. You can go on like Louisiana Sugar Mill League or something. You can like guess mm-hmm. their numbers. And, like It's cold called people. There's uh, uh, thir- 13 mills in the state? It was 13 at that. I think it was 13 at that time. I don't know. I just looked this up not that long ago because I had to give a presentation. And it was like people might have merged or bought each other out yeah. or something like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. So I'll be honest with you. I don't keep an, a close eye on that. Uh, so I called them and some people were like, not interested or didn't call me back or whatever. And then the first time I did it was actually from a different mill. And they gave it to me in like a five and like a thousand gallons in like two totes, like square totes. And I we I just hired a guy to a U-Haul to go pick it up. Which the better part of this story is that he didn't strap them down. So they fell on their side on oh, the back God. of a U-Haul and slid around. So there were Wow. Very hard to get out of a U-Haul truck. Um, <laughs> Nothing is easy. So, right, we did this, and I was like, okay, we fermented it, different yeast strain, different everything. I was like, proof of concept it was the first time I ever did fresh cane and juice rum, right? Really liked the product, ended up making a liqueur that was just for an R&D that we donated to something great. That was that harvest. The next, before harvest, I called that same mill. They're like, oh, that was kind of a one-time thing. We don't really know how to sell this. and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Huh. I'm like okay, great, yeah, <laughs> yeah, wow. and and I'm like so I called and I think now they actually are doing it for someone else, but uh, at that time they weren't. So I called and called and then Davy, um, whose last name actually happens to be Sheremy. Um, name of the rum, yeah, right, not oh, at great. all There's related. Be a
1: story there too, right? No, not at all related. Not
2: really. I mean, Jeremy is like in South Louisiana. It's kind of like Smith. Okay, really, with the brand is the the share me it's more the dear friend element because my favorite aspect and our favorite aspect is the people and the social aspect and shit what we're doing right now right that's like it's dear friend sharing it with a friend for yeah. someone you, know, you love rum or you're gonna love rum now right so <laughs> that aspect it's more about that it's what it with that name you know the literal translation okay of it. it's not we're not affiliated with one person it's not called xeno rum right so yeah, but he got he got James a whole day of, like, was uh,
0: taken uh, was taken by the gum. So yeah, you're right. Out of yeah. lock there.
2: Yeah, it's cease and desist by the bubble gum <laughs> that company that died a long time ago. They um. So Davy got a hold of the 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 mill that we currently use, and you know, Chermie has a little more ring to it than Zeno in South Louisiana.
0: Hmm. Uh, as uh, in, they
2: know a bunch of sheremys Like, I know where you're from, right? So that's another reason, kind of, makes it. sense to do it, right? right? He was like, yeah, come down, I'll talk to you guys. So we went there, talked. To you. He was like, Yeah, whatever. I don't know how to I don't know what the I'll figure out a price for you. Did that was in the off season for their for them. So because, because just as,
0: not to sorry to interrupt, but but just okay. to, to make clear for people, like this is not something Mills are in the habit of selling right. at all. Um
2: no, no, they're not, they're not like they're so efficient at making sugar. Right. right. That's all they're um, thinking
0: about is sugar.
2: Yeah, and they're like, you know, you want this? The first meal that came, they like, you want this? It looks like Mississippi mud water. I, I've been quoted saying that a bunch of times. They're like, yeah. yeah, it does. And I'm like, yes, that's what I want. That's exactly what I want. Right. Like, I don't want any treatment to it at all. Not heat, right. not, right? Like, a, like nothing. So the, he, we walked, we talked to them a couple times. We walked through their, like, they walked us through the facility and, like, how the meal works. And, you know, again, off season and we talked about where to put a line in and they put in a line just for us um and it and it's right off it's exactly where we want it right as soon as it's pressed we're taking that juice and that was that that was the first year so they did it and then they were like mm, we can fill your truck up faster so they doubled the size of that line the next off season so they can fill my you know 6000 gallon truck in like 15 minutes and it doesn't even remotely impact their business oh, because they're just it's so massive and making so much
0: did you have the i mean logistically it's a it's a truck with a big tank on the back of it and Mm -hmm. so you pull it in they drop the line in there it fills Mm -hmm. up with cane Mm -hmm. juice and then it's like a ticking clock to get it back right because this is almost two hours away from where y'all are in new orleans so yep did you have to – we, were there any logistics to consider in terms of I, – I I don't know. Just, it, it seems like it would be challenging to, like, you know, transport it, get it back in time. Because the, the thing you always hear from cane juice rum producers is, like, you have to use it quickly. You can't save it, you know, for a week or anything like that.
2: Agreed. Agreed. Um. Yeah, that was a lot of deliberation, that first harvest especially. We – Okay, like where do we pitch these? Where are we allowed to pitch the yeast? Which still TTB doesn't understand fermentation clearly. Um, because <laughs> as soon as that cane is cut, it's starting to ferment and definitely when it's pressed, it's fermenting one way or another. Mm, right. Right. Whether I add yeast doesn't isn't starting fermentation. So you know, we talked about how, where to add that, how to add that, what temperature to add that at. Should we hydrate the yeast? Should we add a dry yeast? Should we mix slurries? Should we propagate yeast? Blah, 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 blah. Getting it back, yes. It was my thought was, was like, if I can do this in under three hours, I think I can do it. And yeah. I think I can. Again, Did we mention how my-
1: far away it is from, from the distillery?
2: Yeah, it's about an hour and 50 minutes. When that truck and that full truck, it's two hours. It's a good two okay. hours. So, you know, I'll tell this story because whatever you learn from your mistakes, and thankfully, no one got hurt. But the very first truck, they—I don't—we didn't open up, or they didn't. There, there—it wasn't vented. Ah. So, and a tire blew, so it was sitting on the side of the road at like ninety-five yeah. degree weather, right in Louisiana, fermenting intensely, yeah. right. And we got back. They couldn't open it, and they opened the vent, and it was like a train whistle that shot cane <laughs> juice. Oh, man. Like, like a cane juice f- g- geyser. 50 feet in the air. Yeah, like my forklift was covered. I was like, well, that'll never happen again. And it, it won't. Um I can see, see the movie trailer that. right now. I can see the, you
1: know, with the like video there will be blood it. soundtrack playing right. in it.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. I will drink your milkshake. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I have uh I have video of it. It's uh it's pretty Ooh. wild. Yeah. It's, and, um, but you know, what's funny about that is like the next trucks we got, obviously that didn't happen again. And that's when I was we were toying with different temperature profiles for the fermentation. I'm like, well, you know, longer, cooler. I'm like, let's see what we can do out of that. And really I liked that first distillate from that first truck more. Oh. I liked the ester profile. I'm like, mm. Oh, this makes a lot of sense when people were just cranking through this is a throughput game right faster faster fermentation like get through because you're you have a harvest season
0: yeah right and which the harvest season in louisiana generally what october to january
2: yeah it's about 15 weeks so okay. they are they'll probably start milling this week i think they are i have it in my calendar What he told me but they'll start they'll start uh milling this week and then we will come in we give them like a week or so to get lined out, and I need the time, anyways. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we'll go until they say, Hey, this is the last week that we're milling, and I'll try and plan the last couple trucks.
0: And so, just to give people an idea of what this looks like, it's literally just you're driving the truck there, getting the juice. I mean, not, not you literally driving the truck, someone is driving mm-hmm. the truck there, getting the juice, mm-hmm. taking it back to the distillery. You mm-hmm. guys start distilling, and it just runs back and forth for 15 weeks.
2: Well, depends on how many people I have, and how much money I have. Yeah. In reality, right now with the equipment I have, I could do probably like three or four trucks a week. Mm-hmm. It's funny the mill is like, you're not bothering us until you're doing thirty trucks a day. <laughs> oh my so, gosh! So, which is cool. That's my goal then.
0: Like, right. I, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to bother
2: you. Well, you know, you got to sell it, making it. It's the easy part. Um. <laughs> so yeah, we get the truck back the fermenters we add a little nutrient we do use a nutrient um and then kind of set the clock of 36 hours from then we're distilling that to make our low wines and then depending on how busy usually we're trying to get a truck every other day like if we have enough people and money and everything Mm -hmm. like that and we can run 24 7 and just the stills are always running and you're collecting a bunch of low wines because then you're making it more stable, right?
0: So basically, you and, do you do two distillations and you go ahead and knock out that first distillation. And then yeah. you can wait before doing the second one because it's stabilized at that point. Right. Is, is that a correct way of looking at yeah. it?
2: Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. For the most part, it's stabilized. Yeah, and then, I mean, I try to get to those. if We, we don't wait to the end of harvest to do all of that. Yeah. Uh, mainly because I just don't have that surge capacity in tanks. Mm. But, but, you know, I, I don't have to do a spirit run, if you will, every every time I do. Like, I don't have to do it like that. Right. You can I have set enough it surge aside capacity. And, and, yeah. Yeah. And, like, some gets broken off to, like, oh, okay, is this going to be Blanc or is this headed for barrels? Mm-hmm. What do you – what is, like, how many
0: – I know you probably have this in a spreadsheet somewhere. Like, <laughs> how many bottles or cases of rum – come out of one truck load of juice?
2: Loaded question. Depends on the time, <laughs> of, the, uh, time of the harvest, right? There's, you know, okay. the harvest starts yeah, out okay. and then it, like, it peaks at the, the sugar and then kind of drops down and plateaus. But also depends on how efficient I am at, in our distillation. But I kind of average it out. It's close to about 10 barrels worth. Okay, wow. Right? A truck. Yeah. So, right, doing two trucks a week you're talking about around 300 barrels yeah so
0: i'm trying to give people an idea of you know i think a lot of times people hear new american distillery and you guys aren't brand new but you know relatively new compared to jim beam they automatically assume tiny small you know maybe they have 20 barrels aging right now Mm -hmm. um y'all are atypical in that you're Capacity is much much larger than that.
2: Well, it's part of the reason I wouldn't I mean, I want to come here. I think my wife said it best. She's like, it's like craft, but it's not, and that's not derogatory to craft. I just right. I I didn't have. It. I I want to build everything that we do and everything that we implement is scalable. Yeah. And I always wanted to build it like that. Right. So if we could put one at a mill or have our own mill. Right. Would I distill it the same way? I don't know. I might introduce a stripping column, but I don't know. Give me a chance to fuck around. I'll I'll make something (laughs) good. Fuck around and
1: find out. Yeah, right.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's popular now. Yeah. Um, Right. Like, uh, you know, I have my friend who's a a brandy maker. I'm like, oh, yeah, he he has an Armagnac still. And I'm like, yeah, I'd like to distill it on that, I think. Right. But I also want to use a Sharon Day. So there's all kinds of things that I want to do that I can't you're building for efficiency but everything would be like okay i built this system that you just execute within these boundaries whether it's where you're getting the cane how you're fermenting it how you're making the low wines how you're making the high wines how you're aging it there's boundaries that can expand to whatever volume you want
1: yeah you mentioned selling it a little bit, and I don't think we're going to dive too deep into that, but I did want to ask you one specific question that I saw on the bottle label, which was, what what went into the decision to have the vintage or the harvest, the year of the harvest on there, and why is that important, especially given that I've heard you talk about creating consistency across the batches, when, it, in my mind, usually when we think of vintages or harvest, we think of differences between annual releases.
2: Fair enough. Um... That is will only really do that for Blanc because okay. right, there's no oak involvement, it just right. rested in stainless steel. And there is variation in the cane. Like the cane this year is different because we had the late freeze last year. Mm-hmm. So that really created a lot of dextrins. And then we had the drought this year, so it's like a perfect storm of shitty sugar yield. So, how does that affect? It probably affects my yields mostly.
0: Because mm-hmm. um, so how much you get pro- out of it more so than flavor profile.
2: Y- yeah, right. Exactly. So, like 2020 harvest and 2021 harvest and 2022 harvest, Blanc, I don't. I think I might be able to pick them out, but probably not. Yeah. So putting that harvest year on there, because it is, it is, like right? Like it's only, it's the only product that I'm like, I set that right. boundary on. It's true.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right.
2: I set that boundary on, like, I don't give a shit when it comes to our age expressions. I'm like, I don't, whatever harvest it came from do, doesn't matter to me. Right. right. Because it's, it's, I'm going to use that jump that shark thing. Right. It's done that. It's in the oak. There's, it's past that point it's it's evolving in a different way mm-hmm. but i think the blanc is neat to have a vintage and there might be subtle differences and it'd be cool to i'd like to put them up next to each other and it's a way for me to make sure i'm staying with that consistency right right i'm like what? okay are my methods keeping it to where i made in 2021 to 2022
1: 2023 yeah I can kind of see that now, actually, also. It's kind of, well, number one, like you said, it's true. It's a single harvest, so you can put that on a label and, and have that information as part of the, what's made this bottle what it is. And that doesn't mean you're, you're gunning for or trying to produce a different product every year. It just happens to be what is happening that year. And then in your mindset, you want to get a sufficient level of quality across the board as well. But there is going to be subtle differences, right? So I, I get it from where you're going at it now and if it is wildly different
2: i have an excuse <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's important yeah. well and
0: i also think it, it it communicates a little bit the agricultural nature of the right, product right, you know to right. someone who's buying it it's yeah. this is something that is is really tied to local product uh, you know yeah. plant production it's something that came from here from a specific year and i think there can be a an appeal to that from a consumer yeah. standpoint you know it, it makes it feel a little more special than something that's right mass produced from a base material that is just ordered
1: from wherever you know yeah at any it's time. not mass produced it's not craft it's somewhere in between yeah, yeah.
2: somewhere in between right yeah. i'm like you know i strive to be like the less claypool of the rum making <laughs> 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 a lovable weirdo who maybe is cranky um
0: uh, i wish we could i wish we could get a little primus soundtrack on this episode oh, that'd yeah. be perfect
2: but, you know, they – the whole vintage thing, it's true. The The agricultural aspect definitely went into it in the selling and marketing. Like, there's definitely there's – a, there's a thoughtfulness of that. We always intended to do that. And then one of my friends, he said, he's like, yeah, we need to teach people rum is made from a plant, not an industrial byproduct. Mm. Which is a little too harsh and derogatory towards <laughs> rums that I like. So – I don't fully adopt that narrative, but I understand what he's saying. Right. And yeah, but I mean like the tie that So when it comes to age expressions, I can't really put a vintage on there like that. I can put like a blending vintage. So if I have, for instance, I know it was 1030 or 10 10 o'clock in the morning, (laughs) but that's a great time to smell things. Yeah, that's Mm. true. Yeah. Hmm. So right here, I have um, what we're calling aged gold. I know we, I danced around. I'm like, well, VSOP. I called it that. I called it ESB. I called it a bunch of things. I think aged gold right now It's like Jeremy aged gold. Yeah, which is you know a blend of uh, I think about 35 barrels, and it has yeah. nothing less than two years in it. All ex bourbon cask. That we hand selected from sections of the warehouse the team and i we literally sat down flighted to like a few flights a day and like we picked them out like well this barrel is exceptional but maybe we should let it go or this barrel is not mm-hmm. exceptional maybe we should let it go or <laughs> either one of those things and okay well it's part of the blend and that's where the blending comes in right yeah so we did we have that it's all resting in stainless now but this particular thing that's in my glass right now i actually used soakage water to to gauge it to the proof that i like um yeah, but is,
0: is soakage water like water that you water is, yeah. put in empty barrels
2: it's what i so i empty my bathtub and <laughs> yeah, then I use that water no it's essence uh, of xeno yeah right <laughs> it's cold <laughs> gross um <laughs> Regage water. There's a lot of words for it. A lot of big producers do. We did. So I'll just tell you what I did. Um, so we harvested those 35 barrels and we fill them up with water about one third of the way. We palletize them, stack them in the warehouse, leave them for about 30 days, pull them down, flip them, put them back up, leave them for 30 more days. Then I harvest all that water. Okay. Comes out about 16 and 13% alcohol by volume
1: interesting uh, that water
2: and then i use that water mainly to proof down in barrel of barrels that i have aging or queen share barrels like mm-hmm. a lot of the queen shares that are like three years plus there wow so i'm dropping the proof in there and, and doing that but i had some left over, and i had this aged gold these stainless steel tanks full of this getting ready for processing and packaging and, and everything and i was like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna add a little of this regage water into here so i proofed it down from i can't remember where it was it's like 106 from 106 to proof to 92 proof with that re water and it's nice but my whole point of that was i set guide rails of what this age expression will be right number of barrels don't matter that much and they were like just nothing less than two years
1: mm-hmm.
2: new american oak right so there'll be more variation in that even though I'm trying to work that out with blending. And then there's the whole mixing vat things for my next age expression. That's still waiting on that. Not old enough.
0: But yeah. Wow. Wait, can we, can we talk? I want to, I'm glad mm-hmm. you got into aging. Cause I wanted to bring it up because you have a much different approach to aging than I think a lot of American rum producers do. And I'm sure listeners took note when you mentioned the word Solera earlier, because so often, you know, in rum nerd circles, it's al- it almost can be a dirty word sometimes because they associate it with brands that put out deceiving age statements and stuff like right. that. And and John mm-hmm. and I were just talking, uh, we were yep. recording an episode earlier this week and we were talking about, like, there's nothing wrong with the the concept of an a- like an actual Solera and blending and everything. You can do really, really cool things with that. And I love seeing places take kind of, you know, inventive ways of creating blends and things. And um, one of the things you told me, I think the first time we talked about your, your aging program was you wanted to get to a point where you had these larger mixing vats that you could put a bunch of rum into and uh, you wanted to bring in a bunch of french oak and 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 you know do a lot of cool blending stuff and so i wanted to just see kind of where you are in that process you mentioned you're still waiting on the vats like where is that mm-hmm. and and can you just give people an idea of what that system your ideal aging system would look like
2: Sure. I mean, necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't have, yeah, I definitely been quoted like, I don't love American oak. I definitely don't love new American oak. It's mm-hmm. a phrase I say a lot. And that's, I do, I drink a lot of old granddad bottle and Bond. I fucking love American oak. Shut up, Zeno. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. But um, I, I don't run it with my rum. Like, it's just a different okay. spirit. Doesn't hold up to it. So mainly I have all American oak now. But the the whole plan was always to have – yeah, they're like – they're not huge, but they're big. They're like 6,000-liter French oak, limousine oak vats. Mm-hmm. So they're ex-Cognac vats that are, get like kind of refurbished. The reason that they're 6,000 liters and not bigger is because they can fit them in a shipping container and put them on skids. I don't have to pay a French cooper mm-hmm. to come over and rebuild them, and then it won't leak forever in a day. So the whole plan is – we have this age gold expression, which will be nothing less than two years, ex-bourbon cask, what I call first fill, right? Like, that's that that life, right? Life cycle of that program and, mm-hmm. you know, different parts there. Now, those barrels that get emptied, get regauge water, they get filled with old rum, right? I'll, I'll empty it, put in there, put new rum. Like, I play a little barrel rum roulette because I fucking hate paying for barrels. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, and i can reuse them there's a lot of good life into them until there's not and then i don't know someone can make a planter out of it i guess that's something (laughs) someone does but the whole plan with the vats are the vat will be nothing less than say two years will go into that first vat and you always put two-year product in there or three-year product we will put some queen share in there too as a blending profile um and that vat never gets emptied it only gets topped off yeah right so we just kind of like you just set age like okay requirements whether age or section the warehouse always top off this vat and then we'll pull some out for this blending vintage to call it like whatever we call it that that other aged expression but i don't have old enough stuff for well i'm getting close after this harvest i will mm-hmm. and hopefully those vats get put in place at that point but it, it had built in a system of consistency which is great with solera but it's also there's a real value to it you're getting some really old interesting spirit that you'd never be able to make any other way right right so One of the better products I had, so originally when we did aid stuff, and Will, I don't know if you tried this. We had some one year. We pulled stuff at one year. We pulled like, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 barrels. We had it in stainless steel for almost an entire year. Okay. We were going to release like a one year. Mm. And we filled those barrels back up with, I can't remember with what anyways that I, I could I'd have to look at the spreadsheet now but like we we <laughs> filled those back up and like you reuse them and there's some really nice notes that comes out of the liquid that was in there matter of fact i sold a single barrel that had some that one year then when that was put in you try not to put old liquid in new oak you kind of try and keep them at the same age oh really
0: oh right and I hadn't it's heard like it's fine
2: like it's a very esoteric romantic french approach i think there's some teeth to it though too when you get into oak tannins and extraction because nothing turns me off more than like that bittery biting a stick when you're a little kid green twig yeah tannin astringency so some of that might be good if it's in really light element but like when it's overdone i hate over extracted oak i hate it um but we played that game so like we took that one year and I'm like, eh, we went back to it. I'm like, uh eh. we never released it. So I was like, let's put it back in barrel. So we did. And it's in barrel right now. I think it's in some third fill barrels, maybe, or second fill barrels. So when I say first fill, it's always ex-bourbon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So like, in it's, or ex-whatever. It's just not, it's first, it's not virgin oak, right? Right. 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 Which I'm not adverse to that virgin oak. If it was toasted, maybe I would do something. But even that. It was
1: French, maybe. Not a New yeah. American,
2: right? Yeah, I love, I love, yeah, exactly. I love Hungarian oak. Actually, it's like, uh, ah. so how I got into making alcohol in the first place. My dad's best friend, one of the people who's like your names, you know. Now, he's a winemaker, generational winemaker, and we grew up in Pittsburgh. And I used to get grapes with him, real like we get them in the morning and we made wine. That's how I got into distilling. First thing I ever made was grappa. Um, awesome. It was it was like rocket fuel. I might still have some somewhere. But anyways, you you know, we used Hungarian oak for a lot of the wines because very similar to French oak, a little more aggressive, but the price is different. And the next door neighbor was Hungarian.
0: So he just happened to to keep Hungarian oak barrels.
2: No, he's like he's this awesome Hungarian engineer, Gabor. I freaking love this man. He grew the best like hot peppers in his yard Oh, nice yeah and he introduced me really into slivovitz and he built we made i call it pittsburgh champagne uh so we have riddling racks like you know the whole basement of this house essentially is a wine making lab making thing mad scientist it's yeah it's fun also, I'm constantly cleaning it because this guy who's like a dad to me is not as organized as I'd like him to be. But <laughs> we had we riddled this high-acid wine in these French Riddling Wax. We forgot about it for like five years. And then Gabor was a machinist. He got like a cooler, like an igloo cooler, like an ice chest. And he machined – he drilled it out and machined things to fill a bottle so you could disgorge. In Pittsburgh, you disgorge when it snows with rock salt to depress the freeze point and – of of that. So that's yeah. totally not about rum, but... Uh,
0: Wait, what is disgorge? I'm still caught up on this. What does that mean?
2: Um, and so a traditional method of champagne, you know, it's carbonated, and that's why it's effervescent, Yeah. right? So to get that yeast block out of there, to get it clear, what you do is you depress a freeze point, point. there's lots of ways you can do it. They depress the freeze point, and as you're riddling it, you get that yeast sediment. It comes in the neck. You kind of turn it every once in a while. And then you freeze it essentially, and it's like an ice block freeze neck, and the pressure, you pop a crown off, and it shoots that ice out with that yeast, and you have holy clear shit, champagne. Yeah. So look at traditional method champagne. Yeah. Which is actually, people are like, "What do you drink?" I'm like, "Yeah, I drink a lot of rum, but I would drink grower champagne. I, like champagne is my favorite thing." But that's what the rum is the perfect marriage of my whiskey background, my wine background, yeah, and being a fucking weirdo. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> i don't uh, i don't think you know
0: i i don't like to judge people on appearances but i think when people see you they wouldn't automatically think huge
2: champagne guy yeah, oh my god the massive like it would be yeah i love it love it love yeah. it i love champagne i just was you know was just talking about I, special I, I, club i'm
0: remembering yeah. now what, what what's the name of that place in charleston that Ooh, is famous mm-hmm. for serving the champagne leon's, uh, leon's yeah yeah, yeah champagne
2: yeah. and fried chicken I champagne and fried place.
0: chicken yeah Yeah, and
2: and oysters yeah yeah. like what else do you need yeah i mean that pittsburgh champagne that was one of my favorite things and i say i made it you know my god my dad's best friend is guys like my dad he made it mainly i was along for the ride but uh you know disgorging in a cooler with snow with rock salt is the most fucking pittsburgh champagne thing (laughs) ever I love I, that sounds amazing. and I remember I was friends with people that owned a beer distributor because Pennsylvania's a weird state went to buy alcohol, or at least it was back then. and uh, I was like, "Hey, guys, I made this thing, and I got some fried chicken, and we were in the back of a beer distributor. <laughs> drinking a bottle of champagne and eating a bucket of chicken so when I found Leon's like you're like a, a decade later I'm like Shit, this, this, is, this is a great idea yeah. this is the
0: concept I've been searching for
2: yeah uh, right I mean like more legal for sure yeah. um but yeah 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 I don't know well you can judge me how I look or how I talk but uh yeah I love champagne and rose pff, effervescent wine yeah. yeah come on cool forget about well. it
1: yeah, I guess t- talking about champagne gives me a perfect jumping off point to something I wanted to make sure we got time to discuss also, which was the wider rum scene in Louisiana right now. And I know you've been talking about, and maybe this is from your champagne background, some kind of regional designation for Louisiana rum. So what's the story behind your drive there uh, for that? And what value do you think comes from that? And, and maybe kind of more, more importantly, is where are you at with that becoming a reality?
2: Um, uh, great! I would love it. How far are we? I don't know, man. That's politics. I'm um, many things. Politician is not one of them. Um, there's I'm, I'm very much involved in that, but I'm not leading that charge. Mm-hmm. What I really want, I think, what I really want is a classification in the TTP that gives me some differentiation. Right. Because right now you can have my rum and Kohana and Oxbow and Bacardi all on the same shelf and they're all white rums. Yeah. And technically that's accurate. And JM and some Claren. Right, Paranubas, right. and yeah, Paran- right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. So yeah. there's like, okay. So, you know, getting a designation might be a little bit of cart before the horse. Mm hmm. But I don't know which one's going to come first because mm. I, I don't know how that all is going to work. I think there's a lot of po- politicking in that that well, I just and- don't have the face for.
0: <laughs> you got a face <laughs> for Pittsburgh Champagne, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, well, there's there's levels to designations too, right? Because there's a group of producers can get together and be like, "Hey, we want to come up with this designation, like mm-hmm. something like Empire Rye, for example." Mm-hmm. Uh, sure,
2: you know, halo rye, screw Empire rye, <laughs> Minongahalo rye. I'm from Pittsburgh. Right? There you go. I'm sorry.
0: I don't know. I don't know yeah. all the whiskey designations. Okay, I'm yeah. out of my element talking about yeah. that. But you can have something that's producer led like that, where it's just like we come up with this stuff and we have like a an emblem or a you know a, a phrase that you can use to describe it mm-hmm. that we have some kind of ownership over. But then there's Secret also handshake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, you can also go a level beyond that and have like a re, an actual regulatory standard, right. which is like bourbon or something like that which has you know stipulations in the ttb you know in the federal code of regulations and all that stuff and that's where rum has absolutely nothing in the u.s federal code right like if you look up you can look these up online for all the different spirit categories and if you you look up whiskey it's like you know two Mm -hmm. three four pages long of all the different types of whiskey and like you know the rules for them basically Mm -hmm. rums is like a little paragraph, and then a mention for cachaça, which somehow got the U.S. to right. you know recognize right. that, that 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 is distinct. So, yeah, there's well, it's th- the
2: whole agriculture conversation too, yeah. right? Like, mm-hmm. right. And I'm adamant never calling that because I don't make fucking agriculture. I don't. I don't make it there. I don't make it the same way. Like, it just it's very influenced by that. It's also influenced by Bourbon Court. And what yeah. the hell is Bourbon Court? Right? it's not rum agricole uh, yeah right yeah. Yeah. so and you know it's also influenced by cognac right so I, I did say too like right cognac wasn't cognac until it was cognac so right. i think both of those things that you said have to happen where my interest is is like building those I was like well it has to be made in this place one harvest season blah 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 distilled this way blah blah. blah. i like those things because i'm a producer mm-hmm so getting that categorized, and I think right, you know, people will say like, "Where's, where's, bur- where can you make bourbon?" And like, if you ask the general public, what are they going to yeah. say? Kentucky, Kentucky. Kentucky. Right. Right. And there's a premium yeah. on Kentucky bourbon, right? Like, you can make right. the same liquid, but if you make it in Tennessee, it's two dollars cheaper. Yeah. Right. So I think that you know, rum has an opportunity to get to that place. Right. And I think Louisiana is great on that. And we are working on it. There's like three or four of us, five of us that are coming in that have this conversation. And we keep it going and we're trying to move it forward. Then you get in like the side that I don't like is like, what do you call it? The marketing side. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So. And by that you mean like,
0: is it Louisiana rum? Is it? Or do you come up with some a yeah. descriptor like Rum Agricole, for example, which doesn't have the sure. name of the place in it necessarily. It's more about the, the origin, I guess.
2: I mean, I think that people should be like, I, I want us all all ships rise, right? So yeah. I want Louisiana. We should be known for rum. Like for me to make whiskey here, and trust me, I, I have whiskey in my warehouse right now. I can do it. We can do it. I love whiskey fine. It doesn't make a ton of sense here it just i think we should be known and we should put ourselves on the map for rum. Like it makes sense. I'm like I'm still super enamored and passionate about like we have this beautiful raw material that is so underutilized and so misunderstood. And like yeah, you got to educate a consumer, but it's like innovative without being innovative. Right? Like you know, I said I call it a like the aged gold thing. Like, well, that's you know we look at like what are we influenced from like there's Spanish influence there's French influence right so I'm not going to call it you know ESB or you know VSOP right right? Mm because that's not we're American I'm an American do I sound non-American I sound pretty fucking American right so
1: (laughs) you spell it R-U-M by the way uh Jeremy yeah it's not R-H-U-M yeah
2: yes I do and uh yeah, it, the, you know, the four of us or five of us that are in that, we don't all agree on that all the time. Um,
1: oh, stepped on into something
2: there. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I mean, I, I don't give a sh- they know how I am. Do, you know, I do. I strike you as someone that pulls punches. You're not, yeah, <laughs> right? you're not no. holding your opinions yeah. close to the vest. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this is how I like. Even if I do, like, my stupid face just tells you how I feel about everything <laughs> all the time. So,
1: I, especially with no beard now, you can't, yeah, I mainly completely... grab
2: a. I grow a beard because I have dimples and I'm like, I'm a 40-year-old man, I can't have dimples. Yeah. Um, just have sweet old ladies pinching my cheeks. Um <laughs> that doesn't happen.
0: Uh no, I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> everywhere uh, everywhere you go you know.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's weird. Before beards were super popular, I mean, they were pretty popular, but I've had a beard since I was like, you know, twenty-three. Like, like that yeah. big beard. Mm-hmm. You know, When I was like 24 25, people used to go and like reach to grab my beard, and I'm like, What the hell? <laughs> it's a very you novel doing? concept, was, and- it was mostly dudes, yeah. right? like which is fine or whatever, right? Maybe like, you helped
0: this- kick off the beard craze. So many and- guys were coming up and, and feeling it and just being like, I gotta get yeah. one of these. Yeah. I
2: own beards, let's say that I own <laughs> beards. Um, a guy who doesn't have a beard right now, really, but uh, you know, it's funny, you know, you know I have a lot of there's people of color and like I'm in new orleans like shit that happens with our hair all the time i'm like oh yeah it fucking sucks like yeah. why are you touching me people right
0: yeah as, as as a policy i have a policy don't don't just touch people you don't know it's, it's yeah it's, it's it's usually not cool yeah
2: i mean that's pretty common sense right like whatever i We're was i was stupid. in a movie theater. i hate theater. people and love people all at once it's the I, weirdest thing
0: i was in a movie theater a few weeks ago and a guy like tapped me on the shoulder in the middle of the movie. And I like almost like threw my popcorn in the air. I was so, I was like, why, why the fuck would you just tap me on the shoulder like that? In the middle of a movie? Like I'm trying to watch Oppenheimer here. Come on.
2: Yeah. That's, yeah. Right. I, which I had really wanted to see in theaters, but you know, I got a 16 oh, come on. month old. So, uh,
1: okay. You get a pass in that case.
2: Yeah. 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 So I, I love that. I would love for it to be like, Oh yeah. Kind of like what Kentucky is to bourbon. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's what I wanted. But more importantly, what Calvados is to Calvados. Yeah. Right. Well, do yeah.
1: You, you hit on one thing, which is, you know, Louisiana has other types of rum other than cane juice rum going on. Do you think more Louisiana distilleries are going to continue to get into cane juice rum? I mean, is that a, a thing happening in your mind or do you know of or do you think you're, you're really it right now?
2: Um, well, I mean, besides the people that are doing it, I think the people right. that are doing it are seeing... It's a risk, right? Because there is education involved, right? And I don't, I don't, it's not a, It's not a
0: familiar a, flavor profile to right, the right, average American right. drinker,
2: right? So I think that more people like Thomas, who I think you guys talked to at Sugarfield. Yeah, I talked, I I talked to Thomas. He's leaning uh-huh. in, and right? Like, you know, Olivia and Oxbow, they see mm-hmm. it and they're doing it. So I think we'll all grow. Um, as far as new people coming on, there is a learning curve to it for sure. There is a logistical, like uh, yeah, yeah. How you get it, right? Yeah. Where you're getting it from. Right. right. Et, cetera, that's, et cetera. That's the whole so-
1: thing. It's exactly the same as molasses, except everything's different, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: Well, and then like the molasses here fucking sucks. Yeah. Right? It, it's it's the, the molasses here I, I hated it, right? I hated it. I hate it just because they're so damn good at making sugar. Right. Mm. So um, let let me rephrase that. The molasses, where I was going to get it in their process, I did not care for. Because it had so
0: much of the natural sugars removed, extracted
2: extracted from it. Right. 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 So I talked to – you know, Zan was here for – Tales? Tales of the Cocktail. Yeah. We hung out a few times, which, you know, I freaking love Worthy Park and all his rums. And, I mean, Zan is like – mr fucking personality he's a, so he's a
0: great a great hang
2: yeah. yeah yeah right yeah we're a little bit yin and yang in that regard right like, yeah I, i'm grumbly miserable and he's like <laughs> bubbly happy yeah
1: um, i'm i'm ready for the buddy movie already yeah, <laughs> <right>. movie yeah
2: <laughs> uh, but it. no i love them to death and love their products and it's everything and we talk shop all and you know i was just i was like it's crazy right I like we just make so much money and margin on sugar and like when you talk about Louisiana, one of my favorite things to tell people is, the, my mill, they barge it to Domino, yeah, right. And Domino refines it, and they're he's, and the my the guy at my mill tells he's like he's like my thermo the mill I work with. <laughs> they they said right yeah, I don't need rivers calling me but like. Would you just say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much not mine. But uh, he's like yeah, they sell to Walmart. So I'm like you can buy a bag of white refined sugar off the shelf at Walmart or a bottle of share me rum Came and from the same made place. from the same plant. That's pretty, that's, yeah. that's pretty neat. Yeah. So in that regard, they're like, they make so much money. I'm like, yeah, you know, and Jamaica still makes a ton of money off of sugar. He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, what's holding up? Like, how's your molasses? Like you're doing it specifically for the rum. He's like, yeah, we are. And we aren't. It's like your technology is just so far advanced and our margins are so high in mm. sugar that we're never going to catch up. Mm. So they have a you know a built-in streamline of good molasses that they, they're able right. to do that. You know, like to me, if I were to do it, I'd want more control. I'm like, okay, I'm making my molasses with intent to ferment right. it and right.
0: distill it. Kind of like like Mount Gay is is starting to sure. do now. Yeah, Abs- absolutely. They've built their own right. mill.
2: Yeah. Right. That makes perfect sense, right? But that's not what we do here in Louisiana. Right. Yeah. It's for sugar. So I'm I mean, like, the, well, the, let's do it the, this way. Let's get more like,
0: upstream. Right? The economics of the sugar industry are not set up for rum, really, uh, for molasses right. rum. Like molasses rum has to kind of like work creatively around that. I feel like, mm-hmm. um, right. which I mean, to an extent, you're doing with the juice as well now, because you know you're coming in there and getting it. It's 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 diff- Like the ideal is to get to a point where you're growing your own cane and use you know just grow it for juice, use the juice. Um, like you sure. might find at a place in Martinique or something like that.
2: Yeah, sure, maybe that that would be okay. Um,
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, that's a lot. That, I mean, that just like gives me a ulcer trying to manage all that. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, absolutely. I would love the mill and the distillery to be at the same place, and you know the farms are right there. I mean, it, there's so much cane it's the best going down there like when i did a couple weeks ago because the cane's about ready to harvest and you're just looking at, and you're like okay yeah I, I every time i you know i get annoyed when i'm not making the rum, then i gotta do other stuff like business stuff yeah. that makes us money um mm-hmm. and i'm like i hate this and then i go down there i'm like oh yeah this is why i'm doing it <laughs> then i get somewhere in the middle of harvest i'm like what am i doing I hate this. <laughs> I hate you need, and to you, uh, the you, need and I'm you
0: need variety. You you thrive wearing multiple
2: hats. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I also like the, even like doing this. What I did with soakage water and proofing that town. I like to do. I do like little one-off things like that. that I'm like, well, I wonder what this is like. Yeah, so, yeah. naturally positive. Yeah, yeah. Did I send you gin rummy? Will I don't think so.
0: Oh, oh yeah. wait, did, did you use some of your barrels that you had a a barrel age
2: we had a barrel age gin. i'm like let's just put some blanc in there not new make blanc yeah we had some blanc left over, i think and like the barrel leaked real bad but we got i don't know some of it out of it i'm like oh man this is kind of weird and good it's like a weird way to make a spiced rum yeah 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 it's not a spiced rum at all yeah i'll never sell it never make any of it i don't even know if there's any i think there is some left it's weird I don't even know if i like it but it's cool <laughs> the other thing i've been obsessed with is i like i like tim's coffee liqueur a lot oh, the yeah, coffee yeah. coffee and rum i'm like man i want to do something with like blanc and some kind of extraction i haven't figured out like some kind of i want to do a turkish coffee liqueur Ooh, with Blanc. yeah that's that's what i want to do but i don't have time to do it maybe this year's harvest blanc i'll do something
0: that sounds awesome. Yeah, we'll try that for sure. Just, you know.
1: Yeah. Tell us when Yeah, I
2: love coffee. Yeah. Right. I love coffee. I love rum and Turkish coffee like cardamom. I'm, i love it. It's gonna be yeah. I, Let's I have to
1: do it, it on Kickstarter. We'll
2: have it, have there you go. We'll
1: do, we'll do it yeah. live on Kickstarter.
2: Yeah, you guys you guys can pick a private barrel. It's it's only one barrel, so you only have one.
1: Um,
0: I want to hit a couple more things before we wrap up. W- one of them is actually the, the last time you, Zan and I were all together, we were at the ACSA spirits competition mm-hmm. tasting through a whole bunch of American rums. And I'm not necessarily talking about those rums specifically, but we just kind of talked about Louisiana's rum scene. Um, mm-hmm. When you look more broadly at what is going on with rum across the United States what do you, do you see anything that excites you? Do you see anything that like you wish you saw less of what's kind of your just estimation of the, the, the amorphous non definable category of American rum right now?
2: Very much in his infancy still. Right. Yeah. Like we could say that at, at very least. And there's the whole, there's like the whole colonial, like the privateer right. stuff is right. they do what they do and it's, almost a different spirit to what I make. Um, like I think there's some legs to that and doing it that way and some historical things without getting too sticky into history because it's not a great history in rum. Sure. Um, but then you have people like you have like this, the rum collective and like Chicago and there's people that are taking more risk with rum, which I like um, when you say
0: risk, what do you mean? Like funky fermentation, like creative, Sure.
2: Trying to make rum for us and as opposed to the people that Mainstream want just a market. rum and coke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Which
0: like on your your neighbors.
2: Sure. Yeah. yeah. Andrew, yeah, yeah. He he's always yeah, that's push the limits. I love that. I think that's good. It's good for growth. Even if they never make anything good. I'm not saying that they don't. Andrew makes plenty of things that I like, but you know, other people that are doing if you take that risk, you're gonna learn something. Even if it was, actually you learn more when you don't like it, um, but I, I think that that kind of growth is happening. There's also more rum-specific yeah. distilleries happening, which mm-hmm. needs to fucking happen. I agree. Like I can't stand we're like, yeah, we have a whiskey, we have a gin, oh, yeah, yeah, we have yeah, a yeah. single malt, we yeah. have vodka, we have rum, and I'm like, so what do you care about? <laughs>
0: right well, some, sometimes Dollars. That's, that's sometimes Dollars that, yeah the so, sometimes chart. that's owed right. to economics where like right. they need something they can sell immediately you know white whiskey isn't the easiest thing to sell so make a white spirit sure. yeah. people are familiar with that kind of thing
2: but to me then fucking source it man like mm. yeah like, it just, just feels like, like
1: they're putting whatever against the wall and seeing what sticks
2: yeah that i gotta get that vibe right yeah. like and it's it's kind of like when you take the homebrew approach. You're like, "Oh yeah, man, I did like this," you know, Brett C. saison, bottle conditioned with wheat and oats. And I'm like, "Okay, can you make a pilsner?" <laughs> right? <and> like, <laughs> right? So uh, there's. <laughs> It's good and bad, a a certain approach, because I don't want, you know, the general consumer to drink, uh, like, oh, an American rum, mostly small producers now, right? Yeah, right. Like, oh, someone went a little too esoteric. It's, you know, the molasses wasn't good and it's not a good product. And they're like, well, shit, all American rum is craft rum and tastes like this, which is not true. It's not true. I mean, I
0: I try to tell people, like, you could try 20 American rums and they could all be bad. But you've only tried like maybe like five percent of all the ones out there. Sure. <laughs> even at that point, so sure. it's you know there's just so many little small operations doing stuff that it's it's hard to find the the precious few that are doing a really great job because they are out there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I promote the shit uh, like Tim. Tim makes rum that is holistically different than the way I approach rum. Yeah. But I don't know someone that's more that cares more about it and more neurotic about it than Tim Russell. His rum, he is constantly trying mm-hmm. to improve. And then on his white rum, that's what I love the most. It's mm-hmm. his white rum, white the the no the Bud Light of rum expressions um, <laughs> without the controversy. <laughs> I was
1: gonna say that's a charged concept right now. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah stupid people. Um, right, but like yeah i mean his rum is is it's great and the way he does it is his approach he is will build the rum culture you know
0: i i love their their white their white queen share couldn't be different from your white queen share but um yeah. they're both great oh yeah
2: right yeah very different yeah i'm pretty sure tim hates all my rums but that's fine <laughs> I don't care. um but uh I, I, I think there's there's some interesting th- things going on there. I think there's interesting with um, people blending, right? And sourcing from different places and blending. And if I were to do it again, if I were built from the ground up, I might source some rum and blend it to a profile while I had stuff aging out.
0: Do you mean blending right. with... Your own distillate or just blending all sourced distillates,
2: sure um, <laughs> yeah. before I was making my distillate, I would probably blend all sourced stuff uh uh-huh. um, but I always wanted to blend i I want to actually Sand and I have talked about it, like I want Ooh. to blend with some stuff like people that inspire me, yeah, which um you know obviously Worthy Park's one of them, yeah, uh Court is a big influence on me. Which a lot of people have polarizing positions with them. I'm like, ah. Like,
1: even, even we do. I think Will and I have polarizing positions yeah, we've,
0: on we've, that. We've, yeah. we've gone back and forth on our yeah. barb and court five star opinions.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. But I mean, it's for what it is, I don't know. It, it's, it's pretty in, like, in their process and their methods. I like it. Even if it's not the best rum or your favorite rum, it, right. I respect a lot of their approach. Yeah. Absolutely and i thought it was okay like there's some choices that i made that i'm like well good enough for them good enough for me sure and so like i'd love to do something with that or you know but blending with that it's like no we're american right mm. so we should make american rums and like that's way down the road if we were bigger i more importantly i would like it. yeah i'm going to go and be in jamaica for 3 months making rum there and they're going to come to new orleans during An exchange program and that's make a cool rum idea. with me yeah i'd rather do that because it's about the people right that would be awesome rum. yeah right. yeah yeah and like that's what i'd rather do than just straight up blending liquids but i'm saying if i built one from the ground up that people want to start distillery, i think there's no shame in you know buying bulk product from different places and blending to a profile and like yeah these are rums that inspire us why we're figuring out how we're going to make ours mm-hmm
0: Right, and you can educate people on what rum is supposed, like what you're aiming for, basically, or not necessarily mm-hmm. like I want to make rum exactly like this, but you know, here's an example of what great rum can be, because even like you, you, we talk, we talk about cane juice rum being a kind of slightly esoteric thing to the average mm-hmm. American drinker, like. Actual good quality, well-made aged rum is, is like an unknown thing to most American drinkers as well. So, you know, being right. able to show them an example of that, even if it's not your rum necessarily, can be like a really great thing for educating people on like the potential of what you're making. So
2: what about aged cane juice rum? Like now that's a yeah. even more of an uncharted, right? Sure. Like there's American aged cane juice rum, but I mean... I look at it so a long time ago when I was at Oregon State, I went, there was a place called Del Alma, and it was like the fancy restaurant in our college town, mm-hmm. and I would sit at the bar, and I made friends, the guy named Ken, and rum, I drank rum, it was fine, it was like it was on there, but it was more into whiskey and brandy, especially being in Oregon, I love fruit, and he was like, oh. I'm like, would you get Ken, anything good? And he lined up Neeson, three different expressions of Neeson, uh-huh. and it's like, that's when a light bulb went off for me, I'm like, holy shit. Yeah rum is uncharted by this like and i mean that was probably six seven years six years before i ever made a drop of rum yeah mm. right now you know because i made whiskey right and i did that thing right and then but i always thought that i was like oh yeah and, that, and that's with the rums that i drank right i mainly i like fresh i like i like agriculture yeah right but i also love i fucking love. Super estery Jamaican rum. Yeah. 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 So we all like do. rum nerds do. Yeah. Exactly. Nerds.
0: Yeah. Well, the first time I interviewed you about Cherime, which was a couple of years ago at this point, mm-hmm. more than a couple of years ago, and I asked you at the time about making that change from vodka to rum. And you said we're either ahead of the curve and really smart or it's the worst fucking decision we've ever made. So I wanted to do a check in on where (laughs) you think you are. You you probably don't have the complete answer yet. But on the spectrum of ahead of the curve and really smart and worst decision ever, where do you think you're falling right now?
2: I would never fancy us, especially myself, very smart. Uh, (laughs) um, Maybe ahead. uh, right place right time I won't even say ahead of the curve okay I think I'm doing everything in my power to keep it going and keep it growing
0: mm-hmm.
2: um and a lot of that is you know since you've talked to me now like we sell in Chicago we sell in the Bay Area we sell in Minnesota
0: yeah um really been branching out there
2: yeah yeah right and it's like I was like own your backyard and I'm like yeah you should you, you should like own New Orleans and I think our reputation is New Orleans. I probably people, you know, I'm the Sherry guy as much as mm-hmm. I am Zeno, just like everyone in my company is the Sherry guy. Right. I think there has been, I'll give you, uh, so here's my example. I got a random email from a guy named Harold. I believe his name was Harold. I don't know. He signed it with a huge, very
0: many Harold's.
2: No, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, right. Um, a primus song, Harold of the rock. So, uh, That's right. uh hey, another Claypool reference, um, <laughs> But uh, he just emailed me out of the blue and I don't know – I mean you can get my my work email from uh, several different places and just said, hey, I'm in Chicago. I go to my local Benny's. I buy like two or three bottles at the time. Share me is my favorite spirit and it's like the that's aroma. Awesome. He's like, Roma well, the aroma. Cool. He's, like, yeah, and I was like, cool. So I you know, I emailed him back. I was like, hey, that's awesome. Thanks. H7 <H2> mm-hmm. <H2> is coming out. So there's like that kind of micro mm-hmm. interest. And then I have people that want to buy tankers full right. of my rum. So I think we're doing okay. Yeah, it needs. I will say this: the brand need. We need like a refresh. We need to be louder, right?
0: Do you mean in a a, r- appearance or in volume? Like you, you need to be doing a a podcast uh, interview every single day.
2: <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe I don't know if they want me doing, it, but yeah. <laughs> I think that he, all of that, right? That's the expensive part though, right? Like yeah. the visual identity needs to meet really what it is and who we are and what we're trying yeah. to do. And I, I it's, noticed it's not, that.
1: Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I noticed that the, the, the kind of the, the brand is giving off something that is similar to what I would say, something closer to the wine industry in terms mm-hmm. of the vibes it's giving off. Now that's mm-hmm. just my personal opinion and maybe that's not the opinion of many. No, no, but,
2: I totally but, agree with you.
1: Yeah. I mean, is that what you're going for? It sounds like with your background, maybe it was initially the way that you all wanted to go, but maybe now things are starting to differ or maybe there's as some, you expand.
2: Yeah. There's some element of that for sure. There's definitely mm-hmm. an element of like that um, to elevate it. It is a premium product. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. and, you know, Josh, like, guy, uh, it's like my partner there, it's the, the marketing guy. I'm always like, man, he's gonna be pissed that I say this. I don't get it. Whatever. Fuck you, Josh. <laughs> um, right. Like, so, right. I think that it just needs to be, it just, the rum is more fun. Rum, we, I always want it to be accessible. Yeah. So yeah. it's a premium that's accessible because, yeah. I mean, look at what happened to the secondary market of whiskey I and mean, some rums now, too. It bleeds over. Them, right. But like, you know, if I have my druthers, you know, we're not gonna sell anything over $100. Right. That's that like a hundred dollar bottle would be like the best thing you would ever get from me.
0: Right. I mean, I, that's music to my ears as someone who, you know, we talk about rums that are great and rums that taste well. And then we're like, well, the bottles bottles, $300. Is it worth that? And it's, it's such a loaded question because people will pay different things for spirits. But if you do want something that is going to be truly like widely accessible, you know, it can't be anywhere near that price point. Which is then a conundrum, especially for newer producers, because you have to make money, you have very high costs. So
2: sure, and you have to be premium, right? Like yeah. that's, like what makes something premium is simply a price, right? That's it, really, right? It's not the liquid, it's not the label or anything. But you know, if you kind of get that whole picture, all of our pieces aren't quite there yet. Like I want I want all kinds of swag, right? Like I want to be louder. right? Like we are clearly passionate about what we do. Yeah. Mm. And I want everything to reflect that and you can kind of see the way we talk about it even on the back the, the back like back copy is good like we're passionate in that regard it's just a little once well, i mean it's great i don't hate it i love but we just need to be louder and as we're expanding in new markets and we're going to release this age expression and you know if this all happens it's a matter of money right you got to pay for that i'm not a graphic designer i yeah. you know i'm not a marketing guy either so maybe i'm all wrong. So. Who I I make the liquid. That's what I'm in charge yeah, of. Yeah, we'll and, keep making but,
1: good liquid, right? And then we'll 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 crack yeah, this nut somehow. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But it, you know, like selling it to you guys is easy. I can sell it to you guys because you get it, you understand yeah, it. But I need to yeah. sell it to someone who doesn't know, and they can just look at it quickly. Right. Yeah. Guy? No. I mean, that's. That, I think. I think
0: the to an extent, the whole rum category, or the 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 producers in the rum category that are trying to sell honestly made premium products are all trying to figure out how to do that mm-hmm. right so
2: mm-hmm. um and there's a lot of drafting on whiskey which yeah i don't really want to do right like i mean some of it we're going to do innately like it's just what it's going to happen yeah in my background it's going to happen but it, it just it's not like this age expression that i finished that glass at 10 in the morning so good job guys for <laughs> um, kept you long um, enough yeah I I took it to to Cure and I asked my my, my friend Gina Hoover is an amazing she makes amazing cocktails, which I have huge respect for people that do that. And and Liz Kelly, they would work at Cure, which is you've been to Cure Will, right? Like and,
0: Yeah, I think that was, I think we did Cure? go by
2: there. Uh-huh.
0: I had a Jeremy dacry there, I think.
2: Yeah. Sound um, yeah, it sounds amazing. Um <laughs> but like I took this age product and I was like, hey, look, I don't know how to sell this because sure the people that are gonna drink it on the rocks Fine or neat, great. That, but like, what kind of cocktails? I need this, to, you know, every bourbon bro without alienating people, every bourbon bro and and collector and basic bitch scotch uh, which is, Basic bitch is not gender specific. I'm not that guy. So basic <laughs> basic bitch in a lot of ways, I'm a basic bitch. Uh, so, so like, I need them all to be able to approach that. And what kind of cocktails? Like, without drafting too much on whiskey. Uh, eccentric cocktail so um
0: right just yeah, it, it's just it's a tough you want to do one. more than just like a rum old-fashioned or whatever
2: sure but then i look at like what whiskey sales are in the whiskey craze I'm like maybe we just need to do rum old-fashioned <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: Well, we we started this uh, interview. I can't even remember if we were recording yet or not. But when we talked to you, you kind of mentioned that you're going into your busiest part of your season here with the harvest coming up uh, and that you were uh, gearing up, you might say, for for that busiest time of year for you. So I wanted to ask, uh, as we kind of close things up, now that you're on the threshold of this next harvest season, what, if anything, are you doing differently this time around and why, if so? Um... I always love the good big pauses before because yeah. it tells me you're really, really digging into it and thinking.
2: Yeah. I mean, like the guide rails that we like, the expressions that we make only get minor tweaks, right? Based on what the yield is like. Yeah. What the cane was like. Fermentation is the, one of the more consistent things that we keep. The distillation is where we made tweaks, where we broaden the range of where we're making cuts, if you want to put it like that. Like, mm mm-hmm. We could do that or or tighten that range depending on what it is so if there's more ash this year we might need to tighten the range and then that affects what queen share comes out to be so those kind of things kind of happen organically almost yeah Yeah. but like Mm -hmm. in, in process right the bigger things are that i have to like okay how much blanc should i make compared to what i plan on aging Right, because Blanc rest three months in stainless, I can sell that quickly. Right. right, so that's the bigger approach to it. And then, honestly, it's just how do I drive efficiencies? If I can make ten and a half barrels or fifteen barrels, which sometimes those things happen, how do I do that? What am I doing differently? So we actually we have changed a little detail, just the way we rectify even our new make, like what goes in a barrel. We used to not run a deflagmator at all on that, mm-hmm. and that was and like the
0: sh- key difference really between Blanc and New
2: Make, right? Sure, but I can get the same difference and stretch it out and get a better yield if I just slightly run that deflagmator. Okay, right? It's just how much reflux you're 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 forcing, mm-hmm. which is kind of you know the artistic ter- interpretation, if you will. But yeah, Davey really was like he was adamant about that. He's like, yeah, I think I'm like okay, yeah. We can do and we did it and like and then i've also some done some double straight double pot expressions which i'd like to do more of those but the geometry of my still in and of itself forces a lot of reflux so mm-hmm. it wasn't vastly different than what we do with new make gotcha but those kind of things like it's like okay blanc versus age and then age I'm like okay how do i get the most yield without sacrificing don't be out of my boundaries right of what that is and r- really the boundaries are like yeah cut proof composite proof range yeah temperatures right like there's a lot of
1: but it sounds like you're not, honing right you're honing this process you're not creating a new knife
2: yeah sure sure yeah. But like we're in like Blanc should have never fucking existed right like the first year <laughs> i was like but i was drink we were drinking new make white and we're like we should make a, a a white expression and i'm like yeah you're probably right. But if we do that, I'm going to rectify it a little harder, make it a little more approachable. be like, you know, raw cane juice starter kit for people.
0: I, I, yeah. I like that. I like that way of talking about it. And I think sometimes people hear that and think that it's like talking down on it. But I don't see it. Because th- if, if you take Jeremy Blanc to a rum nerd who, mm. you know, is drinking Paranubes and Claren and stuff like that sure. and they taste it, it's going to be much I don't like I don't know if tamer is the right tamer, word but yeah. it's just more yeah. subdued you know not as you know really crazy kind of flavors going on one of the things that i like about that is it does make it a really good introduction to a cane juice spirit yeah. to someone who is yep. newer to it and also sometimes when i want a cane juice rum i want something that's just a little more laid back you know yep. um that isn't yep. like everything Punching turned you to the face. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. every flavor turned to 11, you know, crazy stuff going on. Sometimes I want something that's just, a, um, yeah, a little simpler, I guess. Um,
2: the daiquiris and tea punch, man. Like that's, there's like, it, like the, the, the and now the blanc I love. I mm-hmm. mean, I love, like, they're just and a daiquiri. It's, it's so easy to drink and yeah, know, and mm-hmm. it's a billion it's, degrees here. Like that's because explaining to someone like, Oh, this is a fresh pressed cane juice rum. Yeah. Okay, I need to explain that without explaining that. Yeah. To get you to drink that is step one. Yeah. All right. So if I give you Rum JM, for instance, Rum JM White, it's a great product and everything, but like it actually has this like dried vegetable flake note that you, like, you remember. I don't know. I'm 40. So like when I was a kid, it used to be in a spice cabinet and people used to put it on omelets and shit. I hate it. It's like dried vegetable flakes. It tastes as appetizing as it sounds.
1: John, do you remember like, this? I, I think I do. Yeah. Does it? Yeah. It almost looks like fish food.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But so at any rate, there's just one note, and that's only in their white that I get like some of their age expressions. I actually prefer more, which is weird because I usually prefer. Yeah, I was gonna say albums. it's a little backwards mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, like I I knew that would be too abrasive, too many grass notes, mm. too much bitterness. I'm like, Yeah, just tighten up. So that's how Blanc came to fruition, and now right, like it's. It's what's out there. And it, it, it's great. It, like, it captures a wider audience. Right. Like the starter kit right. thing is like, oh, there's this. What, are, what about you know, Labatt and mm-hmm. right, Paranubis, right? And like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then, yep. right, get, get as weird as you want. Or what about, and,
0: you know, share me, Queenshare? Share? Or you don't sell any of the new make on Age, do you? Are you, you have you sold some to bars maybe?
2: No, nope, no, nope, I haven't sold any.
0: Okay. No, no, I haven't Just sold Colton any. Colton takes it all.
2: Yeah, he <laughs> does. He does. That's what Colton likes to drink. Um, it's what I like to drink too. I don't take as much of it as Colton though. <laughs> but he, you know, we, there's similar products uh, that, are, that are on the market that are in package ready to go out of the warehouse that use a variation of that that was like a collaboration with a, they are, it's called Turning Tables actually. Oh yeah, the uh, organization in New Orleans. Yeah, the organization. So we did a run with them. I don't want to talk about it because like I don't want to make it about us, it's theirs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's very close to what New Make is. Let me awesome. just put it to you that way. Yeah. And I love I'll drink the shit out of that. Plus, it's it's great for them and get the exposure of their organization. Yeah. It, it's huge in my city. And I'm like, I'm very much Pittsburgh is like the biggest you ever met someone from Pittsburgh who isn't proud of being from Pittsburgh? Probably not. Yeah. I,
0: I feel like, yeah. The
1: Pittsburgh people I know are—they don't or talk like, down on Pittsburgh. It has an identity. Pittsburgh has a big identity.
2: It's yeah. real. It's Mr. Fucking Rogers, man. It's like I'm like I'm like Mr. Rogers with that. <laughs> exactly
0: um, like right. in, a, in Emory, right, I mean, yeah. you've worn yeah. a cardigan for this entire interview, you know, <laughs> yeah. which I thought was weird, given
1: you know it's still pretty hot in New Orleans. Took off yeah. your shoes when we yeah. started. It was yeah. exactly the
2: same. Yeah. There's a whole neighborly community thing, and the only other place I've lived in the country that's like that is New Orleans. Mm. So, like, working with uh, you know someone like them who is an organization that's helping the community do like that is, that's what I live for. Right. Right. That's awesome. And it's great. I'm excited for their product to come out. That's awesome. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, we've covered a lot of ground, kept you for a good chunk of the day when I know it's your busiest Mm -hmm. time of the year. We have one more, Mm thing we want to cover, but it's very fast. It is our rapid-fire segment of the podcast, a traditional yes. traditional ending of the show. My co-host, John, prepares a list of zany, interesting questions. Zany
1: is a good word for Zeno. Yeah, yes. yeah, there like we go. It.
0: Alliteration. So, yeah, we love alliteration <laughs> on the Rumcast. So, what happens is I put... A quote unquote 60 seconds on the clock. It's not really 60 <laughs> seconds. It's a little longer than that. And we try to get through as many of these as we can. So normally awesome. I ask people if they're in for this, but I'm, you know, they're totally not going to say no.
1: Yeah. Yep. So, John, are, uh, are you ready to go? Oh, I'm super ready. I, I feel like this one's already I, i'm 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 feeling like the answers are gonna be flying fast and all over the place exactly like I like it here. So, wow, well, you're, you're Zeno, really we're gonna putting the pressure on him over there. So, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna put some pressure. We're gonna do this because Zeno's I'm gonna you, need more. We got this. yeah, yeah. yeah that's, go, that's go always a good start. Go fill up your
0: glass again. It's, no, it's, no. It's, it's, it's it's afternoon now. It's 12.05, so you can that's have right. a second glass of Perfectly
1: around. legal now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. All right, John. I've got All right, 60 seconds on the clock and go.
1: Let's go, Zeno. Neat or on the rocks?
2: Oh, rocks now. I live in New Orleans. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Column. Col- that's true. Column, pot, or blend?
2: <laughs> Depends on my attitude.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like it. Aged or unaged?
2: Most of the time unaged, but there's always exceptions to a rule.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm not even going to ask you molasses or cane juice. I already know where you're going to be at. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Come on. Um, your favorite U.S. state making rum right now that's not named Louisiana?
2: Pittsburgh. Not a state. <laughs> the st- <laughs> the <laughs> state <laughs> of Pittsburgh.
1: The state of Pittsburgh. All right. What distillery have you visited that gave you still envy?
2: Ooh, still envy. <laughs> Any number of the ones in Calvados with all their Charentes mm. and their direct fire, those those give me give me still envy. Excellent. Also, also, yeah, um, yeah. You know, Tim Tim is a great uh, Tim Russell Pittsburgh. He's got those direct you know? fire stills. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Getting <laughs> yeah. a lot of love up there in Pittsburgh. Yeah. All right, yeah. um, all right. Are, are you secretly huge Pearl Jam fans there?
2: I just no. have to ask
1: this. Okay, because porch I mentioned jam, it a pearl a while jam. back. Yes. It, like, you have Porch Jam, Pearl Jam, and cher sounds a lot like their hit song, Jeremy. So I just felt like, I was like, wait, is there a new rum coming called Even Flow at some point? I just felt like, uh, you know, that could be a thing. But, all right, we're going to skip past that one because we got I the I hate Pearl Jam, here.
2: for the record. I freaking <laughs> hate
1: <laughs> Pearl Jam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ah, um, I, I heard on your podcast that you all play a little bit of Dungeons and Dragons. Well, so um, we got to get the name of the podcast in there. Still, 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 talking. talking. Everyone, still subscribe, talking. please. Yep. Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons a little bit. You know what? What class do you typically play?
2: I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. That is just Brian. We, we <laughs> okay. I'm just the comic relief, making fun of him. Playing. <laughs> Although, I would totally play it if I had the time. But, you know, you get older, you trim your hobby tree. So... I don't know. Is like is an ogre a class? Because I feel like I'm an ogre.
1: Well, you definitely mentioned now that you said you don't play it. I know you don't because you said ogre as a class. So we'll, <laughs> now you've outed yourself as a non-player. Um, Sorry, but no, you, damn it. You, you totally play distiller. That could be your class. Uh, we'll we'll yeah. give you that. Um, all right. How about this one? If AI were to somehow be able to create a rum from scratch, what rum currently on the market do you think it would mirror?
2: <laughs> this is dangerous. For me to say. <laughs> Privateer.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh wow! Interesting. <laughs> Just, kidding. Hands Just kidding. Up. Uh, <laughs> all right. I hope uh, Andrew
2: listens to that. No, no, not at all. <laughs> which rum? They you no. Know, it'd be like Don Q. Right, okay. which also I really, really like, but yeah, it's Don Q. <laughs>
1: Something in that vein,
2: okay. Right, like yeah, um, we're gonna we're gonna, gonna, gonna distill it very efficiently and right. put it in a frozen daiquiri.
1: Well, P- Puerto Rico makes the most rum in the world, so there you go. The AI arg- algorithm is gonna go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, y- mm-hmm. Your dislike for American oak has been well documented, even in this podcast. Um, <laughs> would you rather distill using molasses or age a cane juice rum in New American oak?
2: Oh shit. <laughs>
1: This is a would you yeah, rather. You can for just this pick one.
2: one. Yeah, I, w- I would rather you dist- distill from molasses. If I get to pick, yeah, more,
1: man, more you one. really hate America. I mean, so it might be fair to say you're like the Baron Zeno to Captain America. Oak, uh, that's a that ah, you might actually know that reference. Uh, See, it goes right. Over. I don't get
0: any of the comic book references. So if 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 you're wondering what it means, you know, I am too. I don't
2: okay. know. I just thought it was polite to laugh. Ba-
1: Baron Zemo. <laughs> Baron Zemo. Guys, come on. All right. I, I just I have to say I find it a little strange. You graduated from Oregon State. You mentioned which are the Beavers, right? But you hate. but you hate oak which is super weird all right finally let's get this thing back on the rails i've heard tales of this huge big annual crawfish boil event Mm. that you host at the distillery is it true that the secret to your recipe for the boil is pickling or marinating the crawfish in sheremy rum beforehand
2: no i wish it was i wish i could marry those two things but it is a most glorious day this crawfish boil. It's nice. awesome. I mean, last year was the biggest one. We had a lot of people and then we got like eight sacks of crawfish and it was just all day. And people fill barrels, which is like, yeah, it's fun filling a barrel. And I'm like, yeah, great. It's one less that I have to fill. Uh um, oh, I thought you meant they fill in with crawfish. You're still no, talking about rum. Yeah. Okay. They fill it with <laughs> rum. Yeah, because right. we let it we let people do that it because it's fun. They don't experience right. There's like I usually do that at the beginning part before people drink at all or do anything like that you know there's a safety element to it everything Uh, is up to code yeah it's (laughs) well i don't know
1: louisiana Uh,
2: code uh, (laughs) but uh (laughs) but yeah it's it's a great moment it's always like it's it's a sign of i'm like okay cool now i can take a breath i'm not up against the end of a harvest so but yeah there there is no crawfish spiced rum yet Ooh.
0: <laughs> and yeah. I've, I've seen like an Old Bay vodka or something like that out there. So yeah, maybe there's a crawfish boil of that out there. That we're all about
1: ideas here. Yep. Or maybe,
0: maybe you could do <laughs> yeah. some sort of like a, like a pachuga approach to incorporating crawfish exactly. in some way. I don't know.
2: Yeah. I hate all of these ideas.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we ran through time a long time ago, by the way, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I didn't yeah, call yeah. it, but we're, we're, yeah, you made it through uh, with flying colors uh awesome. you, you managed to not get John's comic book references which which earns you <laughs> a uh, a gold star in my book so i feel less alone
1: there but, are dozens um, of us who get that dozens i you mentioned the
0: aged gold is mm-hmm. that something that's going to be available for the people listening to this podcast at some point in the foreseeable future where how can they find that
2: i'm hoping to get a little a little of it out by the end of the year the liquid's ready yeah it needs Packaging. A little bit of water added to it and packaged, but the visual identity is yes. where it's the only thing right now. And then then it'll go. But yeah, it's I really want some feedback on it because it's a really uh I have no idea, right? You know, I kinda went in there blind and mm-hmm. I really quite like it, but you know, everyone likes their own cooking. How how
0: close is I, what what you're going to release to the sample that you sent me that we talked about several months uh, ago.
2: Almost, almost, almost identical. Okay.
0: Yeah, well, I I really enjoyed that sample, and yeah. so yeah. I, yeah, I'm looking forward to that
2: release. Actually, up. that is identical. That was at 92 proof. Yeah, yeah that was uh-huh. it. I've stuck with that proof. I've gotten a lot of feedback from it, so yeah, it's that the one I'm the one I drank today. The only thing that was different is that I used that soakage water. Yeah, which maybe I'll do in the future for that expression, mm-hmm. but hmm. mm-hmm. I don't know. It puts more American oak character in it. So, uh. <laughs> uh, but it also is like rum that was it, it was made from. So there's kind of, cause I yeah. do a little, I do a resting period after the barrels are harvested too. Yeah. So, but yeah, like if I had my druthers, I would have released it last month, but that's it. I'm hoping if we talk this time next year, there's, I'm, a, I'm we're much louder as a company.
0: All right. Yeah. Right. Well, I can't wait to hear the more louder version of Zeno.
2: Right. Yeah. It's like a vitology. <laughs> yeah. Pearl Jam joke. There we go. Yeah. I don't know. I just named a Pearl Jam right there. I really hate Pearl Jam. Really.
0: <laughs> have you always have you always hated Pearl Jam? Like just from from the first time you heard them.
2: So my brother's best friend, she really loved Pearl Jam, uh. and she's like, "Zeno, you love music because music is like." I wish I could do something with music, but I have no real talent. Um, <laughs> so she was like, you'll go to this Pearl Jam show with me. And it was at actually this place, the Civic Arena. Um, uh-huh. It might have been, been called the Mellon Arena at that point. But I was like, yeah, whatever, I'll go. Music, right? And not a big Pearl Jam fan, but who cares? I'll go see. Anytime. I, pr- I very rarely turn down a concert if I can go. Yeah. Okay. So I go and we listen to like the new album on the way to the concert. We go, they had like a two and a half hour set.
0: Yeah, they have right? long shows, right? And then
2: she's like, she's like, you want to get a drink, afterwards?" I'm like, yeah, whatever. Sure. And, you know, obviously I drink, drink. And we go to this bar that has 10, a Pearl Jam cover band playing. And I was <laughs> oh, like, no. And I was like, fuck this, I'm out.
0: <laughs> 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 like, so you just said you were overexposed, it sounds like. Yeah, Is that, to, something it I,
2: to something I didn't quite like to begin with. Right, right. Like,
0: right. All it's right. Like cooked too much, carrots. Too much if you gave me there. a
2: bowl of cooked carrots, I'm, yeah. I'd be like, I really hate cooked. It's carrots.
0: like it's like the you know you get caught smoking a cigarette, so your your parent makes you smoke an entire pack. That was yep. you with uh smoking an entire pack of Pearl Jam, and now you never yeah. want any of it again.
2: Exactly, I definitely smoked an entire pack of Pearl Jam. There's a very funny video. It's what Pearl Jam sounds like to people that hate Pearl Jam.
0: Oh yeah. I, and if
2: you Google it, a great it's Eddie hilarious. Vedder impression,
0: probably. Yeah. yeah.
2: And then there is one that's also with red hot chili peppers. Very funny.
0: I think I've seen that one. That's great. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I have to check those out. That's good. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, on that note, we'll, we'll wrap it up. We'll let you go. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah. It's Thank great. You so great much. to chat as always. Um, Thanks we, guys. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've mentioned your, rum on the show enough times that we thought it was time for people to actually hear from you, hear what it's all about. So looking forward to seeing everything that comes down the road.
2: Great, man. We're an open book. Like that's, you know, then I know I'll tell you exactly how we do everything.
0: Yeah. Right emailed Zeno personally the email address is apparently easy enough to guess apparently, and yeah. Right,
2: yeah it was pretty wild i was like this <laughs> took me back but it was so nice then i'm like all right yeah now if i get one of those like you suck you should stop what you're doing i'm like well what are you doing inner monologue why are you emailing me um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's coming from my own address
2: you're yeah. yeah. right. yeah. calling coming from inside from your inside your house. the house yeah. 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 yeah 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 all right fellas have a good saturday yeah you too, you too.
0: Right, everyone, thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Rumcast. Thanks to Jason Zeno for joining us on the show, telling us all about Share Rum, the exciting things going on there. And hey, if you have thoughts on the episode or anything else going on in the Rum world right now, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email host at rumcast.com. That's H O S T at rumcast.com. Also, you can find us on social media at the rumcast on facebook and instagram always great to hear from you there as well and uh if you want a little more rumcast in your life we are on patreon providing bonus content doing monthly happy hours for listeners and things like that so you can find us there at patreon.com slash the rumcast that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash the rumcast but uh until next time we'll see you then